some sort of you know science-based explanation that I don't know of like that. Could be. Could be, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, as far as I know, you and I, Steph, are the only ones that have ever experienced that. Then again, I yeah. don't really have a lot of and opportunities for, for me to share this. Yeah, now Kira yeah. just now. <laughs> ah, right, right, right. All right, you guys ready? Let's do one. I'm ready. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to Affliction Isles Podcast, episode 36. Available wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific. Find us on YouTube at Affliction Isles Podcast. Please give us a like and subscribe. The link to our merch store can be found down in the descriptions of our episodes. My name is Eric, and the other voices occupying your head this time are a proud mother of three, lab geek, comic nerd, my sister, co-host, Stephanie. Woo! Or something. And a man of many traits, philosopher, charmer, my good friend, colleague, and co-host, Michael. And hello. You guys are like my my alternate personalities or something. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Here on Affliction Isles Podcast, we mainly talk about films that range from mind-numbing to mind-blowing. We also cover TV shows and other forms of media. Of course, we will be getting into spoilers here, and there will only be the healthiest amount of expletives tossed in. You have been warned. If you're ready, then get ready. Because in this episode, we will be discussing the science fiction psychological thriller fx tv series legion airing in 2017 through 2019 created by noah hawley we've been waiting for this one haven't we michael fuck yeah it's been a minute <laughs> i gotta i gotta stay uh hydrated here with my rock star it says grape on it but Ooh. um it very much tastes exactly like the color purple how do you imagine that to taste? <laughs> of no relation to the Oprah Winfrey movie. <laughs> oppression. <laughs> ah, it tastes like oppression. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to treat the show similarly to how we treated Game of Thrones and Twin Peaks. You know, we're going to take turns and if two of us or maybe all three of us chose the same episode, then, you know, we'll all just chime in and inc include that as an episode for all of us. So so that way we don't make this episode like six hours long. Um, we'll roughly choose about three episodes each and then, you know, just explain when we switch from season one to season two to season three. And then hopefully uh, it's not too confusing. We're trying to make it not as erratic as the show itself. Mm -hmm. Right. For season one. Steph and Michael both chose episode one. Go ahead and start us off here. Well, I feel like this is a pretty important episode because it's your whole introduction into the world, right? I don't know if you know. I mean, I'm sure you did notice, but they throw in as many uh, X-Men X's as they can throughout the show. Because it, interesting things that I actually didn't know anything about Legion or David Haller going into this show. Mm. I obviously have you know some exposure to x-men you know i grew up with the the cartoon and x-men x-men saving the day Not that one. <laughs> no okay do you know that intro that intro song that's the good one but did you know that the, yeah, before that one it, it actually had like an actual jingle oh no oh you don't and know oh my no. gosh so we're gonna have to send one. this one to you later 
Yeah. It's from like the 70s or something like oh that. Oh my god. That's what kids want. So through this show, I found out eventually they reveal, if you didn't know, um, way later, that David Haller is can I say it? Mild spoilers, spoilers. if you ain't ready to get ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Professor X's son. Surprise, if you didn't know that already. <laughs> Michael, did you go in knowing that or did you find out as you watched the show? That's a good question. I was actually thinking, yeah. So, so <clears throat> you, um, Steph, you just mentioning that intro, uh, not knowing what it was really about, introduction to Legion and everything. And I had heard about the show. And now as I'm thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I wonder if one of the big reasons why people don't tune into it it's for the same reason I didn't tune into it right away. It wasn't until I was not comfortable watching the show until I found out it was X Men. It was X Men related. I was like, oh, what? It's part of the Marvel. Oh, oh not well. It's part of the X Men universe, whatever. Mm-hmm. Marvel universe, but also, um, the name Legion is like it's it's scriptural, um, and it's not good. <laughs> it it um, so I was like, what? Like when I heard about this, I was like, I'm not watching that show. Like I'm not trying to go out of my way looking for 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 trouble here. Uh, Did you think it was more of a uh, kind of spiritual show rather than like science fiction? Yeah, I thought it was gonna be a little bit more like, oh, we're gonna be here. We go doing like spiritual stuff. It's gonna be battling the devil kind of thing because yeah, angels versus because demons. Not too far fetched, exactly, but it was not so literal where it's like demons and angels. It was like. It's um well in the in the scripture what it says is something like um paraphrasing here uh there is a, a demon in I forget who but basically they say it says when they when this person asks them who they are they it, this person says um my name is Legion we are Legion for we are many and the only way that he gets rid of them is uh, I think Jesus casts these this devil or demons these multiple demons out of this being and, and they all go into the swine, these pigs, and they all run off this cliff and die. So I was like, I'm not trying to get like these demons, like multiple demons and shit. So, so when I found out that uh, it was, it had not, nothing to do with that at all whatsoever, I was like, Oh, okay. And later on found out actually just after the, sh- after just doing research for the show and everything found out that um, the name Legion is legitimately only mentioned one time. And I believe it is by Amal Farouk. There's more. No, there's more because um, in the third season, uh, when in when they're in, you know, the cult house or whatever, when Sid switches places with David, thinking that she's, you know, gonna do something or whatever. And then, you know, she's at the she's at in his mind at the cult house and all the other David start coming out and they're like, oh, you think what do you think you're going to do? You're going to be doing, you know, like they're, you know, we're, we're here like we are legion and. And so they, no. yeah, they that's the only that. time I remember hearing it. But yeah, I I think it is only like one time, one or two times in the entire yeah. show. Yeah. Wow. So uh, what happens in episode one? The the pilot. Uh, man, I mean, it starts off with him like kind of flashbacks throughout his life, right? Like, doesn't it start? Doesn't the whole show start off with him as a baby, like standing in that crib or whatever? Boom, 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 Jack, da 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 da. It's like oh, a yeah, happy right. tune. But yeah, he starts off happy, and then you just see this de-evolution. Uh, he just he just starts to all. He was a sweet boy, and then suddenly he becomes um, violent and erratic and m- maniacal. All, you know, laughing like a crazy person, and these crowds of people are surrounding him. That's literally like the first few frames. Yeah, and then he when he busts out the police car's windows. Yeah, 
and then mm-hmm. finally you know lands on him in the psych ward right or the yeah the the, the psychiatric right. hospital not just a ward a whole hospital clockworks that's what the hospital is called and he's been there for six years and i think the most important things kind of that happen in this is that well he's been there for for a long time for having episodes of schizophrenia and he's heavily medicated right yeah so he tried to kill himself with an extension cord he tried to hang himself with an extension cord Mm -hmm. and so he ended up in clockworks and here introduced to his friend lenny who is aubrey plaza and then sydney shows up you know he he hey girl or whatever yeah (laughs) he like he sees her and it's like love at first sight or what and at first, you know, she she's obviously like very uncomfortable. We don't know why exactly. Out that she doesn't, yeah, and well, it, it, you eventually figure out, you know, she doesn't like being touched. I think someone, some orderly, tries to like touch her or something. She's like, you know, don't touch me. Oh, I can't remember what he says, but it was something insightful. I wish I could remember exactly what he said. No, she, something she said, something something she said about like, oh, are our problems really problems? Um, you know, or is it just you saying that they're problems? You know, kind of thing. You know, something insightful like that. Super, super in-depth. And he's just like, you want to be my girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And she's like, sure. Yeah, I mean, he went for it. It kind of felt like a uh, playground sort of relationship, yeah. right? Like in yeah. elementary very, school. Very innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Because they walk around and obviously they can't touch. And so uh, it's very cute, right? And then it gets fun because she sits finally getting discharged how long was she there for she i don't so know she how, wasn't it there never very says long. how long yeah i don't think she was there it never said really how long she was there for but she was getting discharged you know david decides to to shoot a shot or whatever and he goes in and kisses her and um then you it's revealed that she has a power because well at first you don't know what's going on but like he kisses her and they get blown apart and then all of a sudden, David's screaming, no, 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 no. And Sid's just like really disoriented. Um, <laughs> you know, at that point, it's kind of from Sid's point of view. She's all disoriented. And, you know, eventually she looks in the mirror and she's like, oh, no. You know, and then you figure out that they've switched bodies. But the unfortunate thing is that since they've switched bodies, Sid's now in this super unstable, super powerful, you know, psychic telekinetic body and accidentally causes an incident that removes all the doors in the place and just replaces them with solid walls. But it turns out that somebody was happened to be going through one of those doors at the time that the door switched to a wall. (laughs) And that poor unfortunate soul was Lenny, who you find, well, the way she put it, you know, she her face was in one room and her tits were in another, whatever she said. <laughs> I, I like the way that she described that. That was hilarious, but also like pretty sad at the same time. <laughs> right. So anyway, she was dead, but her consciousness. Anyway, her consciousness was saved. She transcends in some way. Right. But you think she's do you think she's dead and then suddenly she's talking to david and and david's like i thought you were dead and she's like no man i'm not dead like i'm 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 free whatever <laughs> look at lenny what a character you know just hanging there in the wall just chilling typical lenny blood just streaming down the sides <laughs> of her face down the wall 
horrible. So David's out out there, or you know, Sid Sid's out there chilling in the world, and then in with David's consciousness in in Sid, and then eventually his body comes back to him, and her body goes back to her, which is an interesting way to switch back. It's not just the minds going back; it's the bodies catching up with the minds. And at some point, David's being interrogated in a room. He makes the room explode. He's being interrogated in a pool by the student Clark. I think in his mind, he goes back to when he was being chased by Carrie and Patonomy. And then he starts seeing Sid, like, in the backs of people's heads and stuff. And she eventually is able to corner him and tell him, you're in, you're in the pool, you know, sink down, uh, you know, little by little. And once you see the lights, go underwater. And so he does exactly what she says. And all of a sudden you see, like, burnt bodies falling into the water and... I don't know how in the heck Clark survived that, but he only got half of his body burnt and he survived it somehow. Quick question about this scene. Who was the one that lit the fire? Who's like the pyrokinetic person here? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember I mean, them going I, over that. I never, I never knew. Yeah, I never knew who the heck, because there wasn't any extra person there, was there, besides and Carrie? Sid can't do that. Sid. No. So I don't know if there's somebody else behind the scenes, but yeah, they don't really... So what's kind of interesting is when I was researching the character of Legion after the show, um, one of his his personalities, because he has like like hundreds and thousands hundreds, of personalities yeah. instead, and one of them is a pyrokinetic. So when he accesses that personality, he can actually create and control fire. Yeah, it's interesting because the actual le- character of Legion, obviously there's David Holler, who is kind of the original, and he's the one who can control all the other personalities. But he has literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and I think maybe even up in the thousands of personalities and they have different powers. Yeah. So that's wild. Like he's like unlimited, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm, or it, you know, now that I think of it, maybe it was some sort of device that Carrie devised. So anyway, yeah. Cause he's, you know, he's, he's smart like that. Right. Um, anyway, when they run out of there, it's like full on war they're like dodging things and there's that one dude that could just flick people off into you know the ether and yeah he's just like flick flick and sits kicking ass and they're you know dodging running shooting blow explosions and they get down to like the beach and they're about to escape and melanie's there and they they say i love you i think well doesn't she say it and then he's just like kind of standing there and she's like aren't you gonna say it too yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's still trying to process everything. <laughs> I know, and I'm sitting there at home, like not the time and place, people. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> You're running for your lives, yeah. And that's that's the first episode. Welcome to Legion. Nice. So that was uh, episode one. Yes. Well, that is a wrap on Legion. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Please like and subscribe. No, actually. <laughs> actually, Steph, you have episode two, so might as well just keep going. I mean, I guess in general, after that, they start, well, the their goal, according to Melanie, is to show him, go through, pick through his memories so that they could show him that every instance of his, you know, his schizophrenia is actually a manifestation of his powers. And he's not actually sick, but he, ha- he has powers, which eventually you find out that he is definitely both. But <laughs> at the time, that that is their hypothesis because that's usually the case 
with other mutants, right? And so they're going picking through his memories. Patonomy is a memory artist, and they're picking through his memories, trying to go into his past and show him instances where his memory, his powers have manifested. The interesting thing about this, though, and I think this kind of blends through several episodes, is that in picking through his memories, his memories are actually resisting Patonomy actively. Like a defense mechanism? That was pretty cool through through you know little through little bits and pieces they eventually figure out that there is something else in david and also his sister has been kidnapped side note you know he he goes and gets his sister and takes her back to their old childhood home isn't that one of the uh, last episodes when he takes her home yeah but i feel like most of the like the mid chunk like two through whatever is mostly Amy being kidnapped and them just figuring, yeah, just figuring out how to pick through David's memories. Oh, no, no, no. See, I have four through six and I got some shit to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I got the next three, as I said. So I got four, five and six. And then Michael will pick up from seven. So well, season one, episode four, chapter four. Uh, what I liked about this episode is that introduces Oliver, which I think is a cool actor, by the way. The funny thing was when I first saw the episode, I was describing it to Michael. I was like, who's that guy that's like in an ice cube and he's he's a little uncomfortable to look at because it's like <laughs> super zoomed in on his face. And, you know, it's like, oh, they got the gap. Yeah, yeah, that's Oliver. So <laughs> it's funny because at first I was I was like, oh, I'm not sure how to feel about this guy. But as you see more of him throughout the the show, I don't know, I just feel like he kind of charms you, you know? He's a pretty he interesting cat. Got that leisure suit. Jermaine Clement. Cool guy. Cool guy, by the way. But yeah, Oliver lives inside of a giant ice cube. They, they call the astral plane. That's how they introduce the astral plane. So he's also known as the diver due to his deep sea diver suit that his body is kept in by Melanie, which is kind of creepy. Cryogenic chamber or something. Mm -hmm. David is still trapped in his own mind around this time. And uh, he's still trying to to make sense of everything and get out of there. Amy, David's sister, as we mentioned before, reveals that. Uh, wait, no, it's it was revealed to Amy that David believes that they had a dog named King, but then she reveals that we never, yeah, they never, we never had, had a dog. dog, right? So that kind of thickens the plot a little bit because you're like, what the fuck? Because we've seen these these flashbacks with this dog, and and yeah. you know, like child David, like with this dog, you know, like. Hmm, okay. And they supposedly never had a dog. So what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. Well, so I guess something also important to mention is that he's trapped in his mind because there's something in his mind with him that has kicked everybody else out and taken David, basically. What I liked about season one is, you know how you were mentioning it shows the X in a lot of the, the scenes, uh -huh. but I noticed a lot of circles throughout season one, which was kind of interesting. And it was always around the protagonists. For instance, there's this painting behind Melanie when she's like kind of like therapizing David. This ring perfectly kind of circles mm -hmm. the back of her head. Kind of looks like a halo in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the yeah. angels and the demons. In right. <clears throat> right. Analogous. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the circular window with the actual X, which yeah. is like the mm -hmm. logo for the, the show. X, yeah. Right. I noticed it on the bottom of Sid's dress. She had a bunch of like circles at the bottom like trim of her red dress. Amy's earrings, they're like circles, but like gradually getting bigger as they hang further down. And then of course the ladder that 
leads up to Oliver's S cube. So those are all circles. And I, I thought it was yeah. pretty interesting. Hmm. And then we got a uh, Patonomy who is uh, looking through David's ex's mind. And I thought this was pretty fucking cool. They spot a buried memory about a lighthouse. So I loved the editing for this part because he's kind of like scrubbing through her memory as Sid is talking to the ex. And so he sees like a little like one second frame of like something is like it flashes and sees like, what, what the fuck? And so he rewinds and he sees that flash again. And so he's trying to like pinpoint in on that one suppressed memory. And as soon as he locks in on it, that's when he's able to expand it and go further into it. And it's about a lighthouse. And I was like, what the fuck? That was sick. <laughs> that was sick. No, that was dope. Yeah. And so this lighthouse is uh, actually where um, David's old doctor, was it like psychiatrist or something? Dr. Paul. Yeah. He lives in a lighthouse. So they're like, all right, cool. That's where we're heading next. And so Patonomy, Sid, and Female Carrie, they uh, go to this lighthouse. They track down Dr. Poole, and they're trying to get some answers about David. You know, they're trying to get some more information on David's past. And man, this was the turning point for me. This was when, this was kind of like my red wedding for Game of Thrones, because that episode was when I was like, I'm fucking in. So this episode, they're talking to Dr. Poole, and they have no idea that this is a division three trap. You know, the goons start swarming the lighthouse and then it flashes back to Dr. Poole and it's none other than Walter, which is Richard Simmons, basically. Right. <laughs> Richard, exactly. But Walter is, uh, I guess his thing is he can, he can kind of shape shift into different people. So yeah, he was pretending to be Dr. Poole to lure them in to the trap. So Patonomy and Sid are trying to escape out of the second floor window or something. And then Carrie is like, I'm fucking tired of running. Let's go. And so she jumps out and just starts like going to town. You know, she starts whooping ass. Hell yeah, this is dope. I like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's always badass. Um, Walter chases them upstairs and he's about to, I think he's going to shoot Sid or uh, he was going to shoot Patonomy or something. And then so Sid touches him and they switch bodies. So meanwhile, Lenny manipulates David into getting angry because, you know, he's still trapped in his mind and he doesn't know how to get out of his mind. David's just like, ah, and he just breaks out of his mind and teleports to their location as Walter is driving away in this van with his friends. He stops the van because he thinks it's actually Walter, but he didn't realize that Sid switched bodies with uh, Walter and they crash and, you know, Sid's, Sid as Walter is kind of disoriented. Walter as Sid tries to flee, you know, and she she escapes the van. I thought this was just kind of cool because David is, is trying to stop Walter, but he doesn't realize that the Sid that he's trying to save is actually Walter. And so he's just like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Walter, back in his normal self, is about to shoot David. And that's when female Carrie jumps in the way and she gets shot instead. Mm. There's a little bit of a cliffhanger there because you're like, fuck, did she die already? Mm -hmm. that is pretty much the end of episode four so a lot of action going on there and i thought it was a lot of fun to watch yeah season one episode five chapter five we got female carrie she's being treated back at uh uh was it summerland that's what the headquarters is called yeah so she's being treated for her wounds by male carrie i just refer to them as female or male because their names sound exactly the same but they're essentially kind of the same person anyway mm -hmm. yeah they're such an interesting character. I love that power because it was so unique. Like I haven't seen anyone else in like the X-Men universe. Everyone like Sid's powers, Patonomy's power. I don't even know yeah. what that, does Melanie even have a power? I don't even know. I don't think so. 
So due to having more of a, an understanding of the astral plane, now that he was able to escape the prison of his own mind, David shows Sydney that he is able to create this like mind palace type of like safe space for both of them mentally, where they can finally be free to be with each other. And I thought this was pretty awesome to see. They're able to touch and kiss and have sex and everything in this astral plane in their minds. Yeah, and they're in their room. Right, where she's not physically touching him. And that was a big step for them in their relationship. Yeah. it's I think it's very, really interesting because their relationship is almost entirely mental. Mm -hmm. There's never any physicality to it. Um, side note, I did look it up, and Melanie is human, mm. according to the Legion wiki. Wow, not a mutant. Yeah. She's helpful in season one, but I feel like she just kind of drops off. Yeah, I mean, season two, she's like the opposite of helpful. Yeah, she falls <laughs> apart. Well, she's old. My hands hurt. Well, now your back's going to hurt. Because <laughs> you just pulled landscaping, pulled landscaping duty. Landscaping From, was that Happy Gilmore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, episode five, right? So, yeah, they're, they're finally able to be with each other in that, that space, that mental space, but... What Sid doesn't know is that there's an unwelcome third wheel that hangs out there, and it's fucking Lenny. She, like, hangs out in the bathroom of that room. That skank hoe. Mm -hmm. Right? It's kind of interesting that Sid doesn't explore that space. Like, she only she's comfortable just being in that room, but she doesn't realize that there's a bathroom area, and that's where Lenny's kind of just chilling out in David's mind. Well, she probably doesn't have to pee in the astral plane. <laughs> right. That and I think that it, it shows, I mean, just the fact that she's, I mean, the, the fact that she's naked is, is, is vulnerable, right? And she's in, in those under those white sheets and everything. So she's, she's vulnerable, but she feels comfortable being vulnerable with him. And so she trusts him. So she, it's like as though she doesn't really feel the need to do any kind of digging because she's like, well, he made this room and this is our place, you know? And so she's just like lounging and, you know, just really like enjoying, really soaking up this experience in that bed while in the other room. I mean, she turns around, she's like, where is David? Right out, like right after they had sex, all of a sudden, he's just not there anymore. And that's when you find out that he's like talking to Lenny in the bathroom, right? In the bathroom and it's red. That light yeah, it's is like red dark and red. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of stemming from that, Lenny eventually convinces David to sneak out and infiltrate Division Three headquarters by himself and just fucking like, yeah, just just fucking kill them all, you know, because Lenny is kind of that devil on his shoulder. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the team arrive, you know, they they catch wind that David's gone and they're like, he went to Division Three. You know, we, let's go back him up. So they arrive at Division Three to find everything destroyed. Everyone's massacred. People are in the Decimated. fucking floor. People are in the walls, you know, just as we saw before. And yeah. uh, if they're not just like ripped apart or incinerated completely, it actually shows some of the stuff that David did to them through the security footage. You know, it shows his heinous acts and um, he's just so nonchalant about it. He's almost playful, like vaporizing people. Yeah. The screen kind of like flickers a little bit and you see like the yellow eyed demon or whatever the fuck that they yeah. call him, which is the fat right. man. Yeah, right. And when they and when they see which is this horror, horror, horrific looking uh, being, uh, oh, he's, he's creepy, but they also see that in the security camera footage when they're like, what happened here? And they go back and they look over where, where David had been and all that and they see him. But then on the security camera or maybe it's the some sort of like infrared camera. Yeah, I think they have it's the security area. camera. Yeah they can see that uh, this other being where David should be is in control. Exactly. 
Yeah, and this one's really important because, uh, as you mentioned before, stuff. David went there to go grab Amy and he takes her back to their childhood home. You know, at first Amy is thinking like, oh, this is the real David. But in reality, it's uh, Lenny or this uh, this fat man, right? That's kind of controlling David. And um, David is kind of like interrogating Amy as to like, who are my real parents? You know, I need to know. And she's like, there's nothing. And then he's like, no, you have a secret. And she's finally like, you're adopted. And so the team arrive to confront Lenny who now seems to be separated from David's body, which is that was a uh, kind of interesting that they decided to do that instead of just have it be like one person as the team is confronting Lenny to save David. Walter sneaks up behind them and he pushes them aside and he shoots at David. And that's where everything just fucking freezes and it gets fucking weird at this point. Apparently out of desperation, David not only freezes time, but he sends everyone into some sort of version of the astral plane where everyone is back at clockworks and their patients within clockworks. And Lenny is now their psychiatrist. And Amy is a nurse yeah. or orderly or whatever you call it. That's where episode six picks up. It's kind of just showing a little bit more of what's going on after that. So the team, obviously not knowing who they are, or where they are, they kind of start revealing their uh, internal issues with Lenny. So Melanie struggles with letting go of her husband. Autonomy is haunted by his mother's death as a kid. Carrie and Carrie go deeper into their backstory about kind of how they first met, you know, how Mel Carrie woke up and then he was like, oh, look, I have a friend. And she was like playing with the train set, whatever. Walter feels slower, I guess, like mentally. He feels slower than common people. And so he struggles with... Uh, his insecurities of being dumb, I guess. And then uh, Sydney struggles with her perception of reality, which that one is kind of like the telltale sign there that it's not real because Lenny keeps trying to push this. Remember, your thing is that you struggle with perception of reality. And she's like, no, that was never my thing. My thing was that I just I can't touch people. No, no, it's it's reality. And she, so she's just like, mm, I don't think so. So she's starting. I think she's kind of like the first one that starts realizing that there's something weird going on here. Yeah. This is kind of cool because it's almost like a reenactment of episode one. Like you're just going through yeah. the normal day to day of clockworks. Mel Carey, after uh, putting female Carey, you know, to bed, he, as he's going to sleep, he's visited by Oliver in his diving suit. He's able to almost pull him out of this illusion into the astral plane where he can explain to Mel Carey what's exactly going on. And what I thought was really cool about this was that obviously, you know, you he's referred to as the diver because of his diving suit, which is a deep sea diving suit. But it's cool because he still uses the suit to dive. But instead of the ocean, he's diving into people's memories and their perception of reality. So I'm like, damn, this is really dope. Like, I love how they're doing this, <laughs> giving it a new spin on it. Definitely. He may not have the ability to like just jump into people's minds like David, but he can with the suit. And I thought that was actually really cool. I like, I love that concept. That hmm. is, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. It's an interesting way to look at it. David goes to see Lenny and Lenny, I think she's kind of starting to get a little impatient with David. And so she's like taunting David and reveals that she met David's biological father and suggests that they team up to become unstoppable because she realizes she's now realizing how much potential David truly has with his powers. And so David resists Lenny's trap and um, he gets trapped in some sort of mental casket. 
And that's when he starts flipping the fuck out. <laughs> and I think he's that's the first time you see him create some sort of like other personality because this personality is generated next to him. And he's like, listen, your mind created me so that way I can calm you down. Now he has like two personalities for the first time, which before mm-hmm. people thought he had different personalities because of the Shadow King being in his mind. Yeah, this is actually another him. Yep. And before the episode closes out, Sid is woken up by the diver again, but this time it's Mel Carey wearing the diver suit. And that's where the episode ends. All right. So, Michael, you got episode seven. Right. Episode seven. So picking up right where you left off. What's cool about this episode is they begin to finally explain exactly who David is and um, who Amal Farouk is, who is turns out to be the Shadow King that we're talking about. I, I, I loved this. It was just so it just finally brought things together. You're looking for something to hold on to. What's what, what what's going on here? And finally get a little bit more backstory and you realize, OK, so he's 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 kind of regathering his uh, or gathering his resources. He's starting to ask questions, put put ideas up on the on like a bajillion chalkboards in, in like a college almost or something like in a big auditorium. But uh, one thing uh, I was going to mention about this part here is um turns out that that david's father who we now who we know from since since we were mentioning at the beginning uh, his father is professor x um who is a uh a telepath he fights amal farouk on the astral plane and defeats him and separates his body his consciousness yeah separates his, his consciousness from his body and they bury his body someplace secret someplace that they you can't no one can find it because if his body gets united with his consciousness again, he would be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Then you realize, oh, well, that's so that's how Amal Farouk came into the picture. That's who's in his body. Uh, somewhere along the line, the Shadow King entered into David when David was uh, an infant and and has lived there since uh, as some sort of uh, revenge um, on on Professor X. Um, and so he's exacting his, his revenge uh, through his son by, by torturing his son. Meanwhile, so the, all that's going down, uh, they're still in this room where, uh, so they keep kind of going back and forth, where in this room where these bullets are still flying very slow, they're, they're flying in a slower form, but they're still. Um... And that's back at the scene where Walter in present day or like real time, he's trying to kill David, right? He pushes everyone aside and he tries to shoot him. And so it keeps like revisiting that scene over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so they keep kind of flashing back to that, um, and that's where re- really the the crux is. It's that's that's the conflict is there. The, you know, death is uh, imminent, and um, they are trying desperately to find a way to um, somehow stop these bullets from from killing David, and and because he seems to be the last hope uh, to to save everybody, let alone the fact that he's he's one of their friends too. Carrie Carrie devises a headband thing. So they're trying to get to David so that they can put it on him and David still has everyone frozen in time and he's battling his, you know, his demons and stuff. Um but the halo is supposed to subdue Farouk and kind of cage him so that David can come back to himself and 
Oh, right. It isolates Farouk in David's body. Right, right. Okay. It puts him in that, that you know, flat little casket that David was in. <laughs> right, right. In a physical or technological way, it's able to trap that portion. Dude, that carry is so dope. The way that he Carrie is. explained it is that he was able to isolate a second set of brain waves. And so I, it's some, I, maybe it has something to do with taking that set of brain waves and putting it in a little box. Is I'm trying to think. Is that the that's the seventh? And then I don't want. I I feel like I'm blending like the eighth and the and the seventh. They they kind of come together. This is there's this whole climactic they build up do. to this. Yeah. Right. So so they're 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 there in that room. Uh, um, what Carrie is able to Carrie is able to put the halo on David, and so putting the halo on makes it so he can regain control. Time can go back to normal. And he's actually able to catch the bullets before they reach them. Damn. Which is nuts. He's like Neo. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Neo. Exactly. Anyone want to talk about how Walter dies? Just because it was super creepy. <laughs> Walter kind of just gets. Right. Mid. Walter gets. Yeah. Just kind of like. Inside Clockworks, he gets mid. But in real, in the real world, he just gets crushed, crushed into nothing. He gets turned into some sort of like cube or something yeah, huh yeah. <laughs> little meat cube in meat cube it, it reminded me of um i don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie tales from the crypt a long kind of time a, ago a campy yeah, campy scary ago. movie but but you know it's kind of like an anthology where these stories are unrelated but i mean the only way that they're related is they're these bodies in these caskets and this one is contorted and the reason why is because this boy uh who's been basically uh, abused by his dad um realizes that he can he draws this image a scary image and he folds the paper and each fold that he creates like breaks a limb of that of of this person so it's just kind of interesting to see that it was weird because it just brought it right back to me it was like it just crumbled up like a piece of paper almost um and blood and just yeah it's craziness anyway uh that is what lenny does to destroy him and this really showcases to me i mean this this whole this whole series really showcases uh Aubrey Plaza's range and oh, yeah. she can go from like this maniacal person uh, or she can go from like this fun loving person to this very maniacal and like enjoying creating havoc and, and hurting people. I and, loved um, her in season one. She was fantastic. Mm-hmm. She she was and it was just and I love this whole part uh, because uh, now I think we've ble- I don't know if we've uh, moved into episode eight yet but I think we're in episode eight right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pretty solid. Uh, uh, and you and Steph both have episode eight. Oh, okay. Okay. Right on. Right on. Yeah. So, so uh, it becomes like a silent movie. And so they'll be, they'll move their mouths and then you'll see like a, a what do they call those? Like a, a frame where the words that she just spoke are now shown. I, I really thought that was a beautiful homage to, to the old movies as well, but in, in a, in a like kind of scary way. But uh, anyway, male carry uh he also devised these sunglasses or uh, yeah i don't know if they're sunglasses uh just reading glasses that when worn can show you what's real and so all these people that have been attacking them uh, aren't really there you know what that reminded me of that reminded me of 13 ghosts have you do you guys remember that movie like how they can't see the ghosts until they put on the glasses oh yeah i love that part where he says i'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> Every movie. <laughs> I got stabbed again, Love man. Love that part. I got <laughs> stabbed, man. You stabbed me pretty deep, man. 
I've never actually seen that movie, but it sounds like an interesting premise. It's uh, it it's a product of its time. I don't know if it holds up now, but it was creepy as fuck back then. I was like late nineties, early two thousands, I think. Yeah, it was so. It was such a like seminal work. It, yeah. Anyway, it was just, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if it holds up, but it it was one of those where I mean, if you watch Citizen Kane. Obviously, it's like it's like black and white, and you've seen a lot of these devices, these cinematic devices, um, with even like the the, the frame, the, the lens, where it's like people that are in dif- from different distances are both in focus, um, and so you're like, oh, okay, I've seen it before, but it's like, no, this, this all started here. So yeah. Now Walter's dead, but what what ha- I forget what happens after that. Like there, so she kills Walter. They're there um, in the in Clockworks, and I'm I'm kind of blinking right now. They kill Walter, and I think it was just after that. That's when they got the halo on him, so everything kind of went back to reality. Well, how do they get? Because uh, because um, Amal Farouk escapes out of out of David and goes looking for another host and finds Oliver there. So I guess we can, yeah. I I, I remember. Oh, that's all. That's all. No, that's all at Summerland. So, uh, so they get the halo on David. And they take everybody, everybody goes back to Summerland and they're, they have them on the table and that, you know, there's that like red, like in that procedure room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at some point, um, Farouk is able to talk to, to talk to Sid and he basically tells her because they're trying to extract him. They're trying to separate them in that room. And so he basically tells them like, we're fused together. You can't get me out without killing David. So if right. you help me escape, um then i'll say i'll you know leave david alone how, how do you describe it he was like oh lenny was like do you know the process of making spaghetti have you ever tried to unmake spaghetti unmake- or something like that and i was no, like soup. Oh, it was soup. oh soup that's what it was and i was like damn yeah. i didn't even think of that that's how embedded yeah. uh farouk was yeah that's how they describe uh homogenous homogenous mixtures in science <laughs> once it's together you can't really you can't take it apart you know um so anyway they're trying to get Farouk out of David and it's not going well. So then Sid rushes in there and kisses him. And that's when Farouk transfers to her and jumps around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then they're fighting. I think it's Carrie and Farouk, Carrie and Sid are fighting female Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. Carrie. So when, so Carrie kicks, kicks, like kicks him so hard that he like pops out of Sid and Oliver happens to be in the way. And so like you see Oliver like fly through a doorway and that's when Farouk uh, enters Oliver. And then like they sneak out at the end of the episode and drive off in the car, you know? Dang. Yeah. They got Oliver. Poor Oliver. And is that also when there's like an epilogue where David gets sucked into yeah, an orb? So, like, yeah, so then it goes, you know, goes through all the credits and stuff. And at the end, um, David and Sid are just standing on a balcony talking and the the little spherical drone thing comes up and sucks David in and flies off and that's hmm. how it ends. Cliffhanger. He's all screaming like help me. I was all like, damn, that was a that was a crazy ending. And then with, with that epilogue, I'm I was just left with, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell was that? Yeah. Because Sid is just kind of like standing there all helpless, like, uh, oh no, what do I do? Yeah. And then she just goes back inside because like yeah. What else is she gonna do, right? Right. Maybe follow that orb and see where it goes. Seriously, she does not. Yeah, I I got TV to watch. <laughs> I got TV to watch. It'll work out somehow. 
Um, I don't know if we're jumping straight into season two, but I wanted to mention that it continues on with the perception through through David's eyes because it starts back up when David comes back. Right, right. It's from his perspective, right? Because he's the yeah. the focal point. He's the central character. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because to him, and he mentions at some point, he's like, I've only been gone for 20 minutes. And Sid's like, oh, it's been 362 days or whatever she says, which mm-hmm. is about a year. Who's counting? I know. I was just going to say now that they, now uh, Summerland's gone and everyone from Summerland is working with Division 3, which is kind of the opposite odd. of what David's used to. Yeah. So before we jump into season two, I just want to run this by you guys and just kind of bear with me for a second because this is going to get a little weird. So going back to Sid and David having sex in this mental astral plane area, right? This almost like uh, mind palace type of thing. I was thinking, let's just go back to that and let's just focus on that. Just just really focus. No, I no. I was actually bringing that up because <laughs> what if this happened? All right. What if they do have sex in person, like in the real world, but obviously they would switch bodies, right? And it would be really strange, but it could possibly be kind of intense and neurotic if you're like having sex, but like from another perspective that could still work. I think it could turn into a total, I think it would turn into a total disaster because never know until you try. (laughs) All right. I'm just going to dive right in. Men and women are achieving different things, making different movements. And all of a sudden you're making like the opposite movement of what you were doing before. And you're not even used to that because you're normally doing the other thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally. But like the fact that like, it's not possible to ever do this. You you just assume that it'd be like, you're like, no, it wouldn't work. But Imagine if like they had done this a few times and they're just like, you know, just take some practice. Right. And they're just like, now it's like a strangely erotic thing where you're like kind of having sex with yourself. That's just weird. Right. Because you're like looking at (laughs) yourself and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) That would be weird. I I would not be down for that. (laughs) Now, my question would be, would Sid, if would, I don't know. Um, I know we know it's possible for Sid to, to transfer to different people just through Amal Farouk having touched other people to get to eventually getting to Oliver, right? So I know, so we know that it can transfer to, she can connect with a different person, um, different host, but in this, in light of what you just brought up now, I'm wondering if they tried that, if they would just be in this endless, like, Hmm, keep switching going back back and forth forth of being, yeah, being a person. But I feel like you caught it. You, I feel like to really enjoy that, you gotta be like, uh, just present and i feel like you'd be like whoa who am i which one who which person am i now i don't know you'd be like here i don't know i think that would make me throw up it was like and i'm getting motion sickness yeah right like uh, consciousness sickness oh it wouldn't it wouldn't happen uh it wouldn't happen maybe no 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 because she's still in the same body so i guess it could potentially happen because i was thinking about what happened with her with her mom's boyfriend i guess it was and but she was in her mom's body at that point so it's different Mm. anyway and she didn't go into, get into his it. body. Right, 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 right. But but then again, she was in her mom's and her mom's not capable of doing that. Whereas if she were with David, it would be the same person. 
does 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 David not touch anybody? Yeah, I'm wondering. Like, anyway, that that now we're getting into now it's like Terminator action here. Which who, <laughs> was was Michael Bean's character? What he was he born? And then <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, moving on to season two, uh, episode one is all Steph and Michael. Hey, yeah, it feels like everything has changed at this point. Um. Like I said, Division 3 and Summerland are now working together and everyone just lives at Division 3 and they ha- their cafeteria is a, a conveyor like boat. It's kind of cool. I, I kind of like it. I dig it's it. It's like conveyor belt sushi, but it's all little it's like a little river with boats. Yeah, it's pretty I, it's dope. really cute. I know. With waffles or something, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think it depends, you know, it depends on the meal, it depends on the day, but it's always that. So, sometimes it's sushi, sometimes it's waffles. Uh, so, so you know, what you get caught up on is, A, David's been gone for a year. Uh, B, it looks like it looks like Farouk has been traveling around inside Oliver. So wherever Oliver is going, they're leaving behind people who are getting infected with this, this sickness called the Catalyst that leaves them basically like comatose, frozen, standing, but with teeth chattering, which is super freaking creepy. Yeah. So all this time they've been collecting all this teeth, all these teeth chattery people, and they just stick IVs in them and keeping them, keep them alive while they stand there in a room together, chattering all together. Botnet? That's not good for your, your enamel. <laughs> and I feel bad for those people. Lift like, my shirt up, all enamel. All enamel. <laughs> Stupid. A year straight of chattering, I was wondering like how bad that would wear down the teeth. Right, you know? right, exactly. right, exactly. If Ooh, there are any sheesh. teeth left by the time they wake up. Seriously. Yeah. You look like a gamer girl with the that headset on. I just need the little cat ears. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is going on? Oh, and Division three is led by a dude with a basket on his head and the creepy vermilion. So many creepy things. They're they're so unsettling, right? The Vermilion. They are. They're they have creepy bowl cuts, and they're all women, but they all have mustaches. Why? It's never explained. <laughs> never once explained yeah, why right. they have mustaches, but they they do. They're all. But women. they got these they're really like slender, looking. feminine bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. and they um it actually it's I I don't know if you ever noticed, but at some point it is possible to see that their suits are actually see-through. I was telling Michael this. Yeah. They're wearing thongs. Yeah. When they're dragging Potonomy into the forest, I saw a butt. Yep. Yeah, you did. And I was like, this got like even weirder. Cause that, now it's kind of sexy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was actually yeah. telling Michael that if you focus on them, like you just like really focus in on their face, you can almost just like, go past the bowl cut and the mustache and see what they really look like underneath. Yeah, no, exactly. And they're really attractive too. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, but their voices are like, uh, very, yeah. Robot-y. Uh, and that's also robot-y. creepy. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> a little like uncanny valley stuff going on. Yeah. That's it's, it's kind of cool, but it's creepy. Yeah. So th- this was also the, this is the episode where, so they, they, so Carrie also designed this sort of like, Sphere. I don't know what they call. I forget what they call it. The bath. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, sort of like Minority Report. Or the uh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, so he, the, he's he can lay it down in there, or it, it, it's an amplifier. It's an right. It amplifies, which is which is which is a lot like his dad, right? Professor X used this machine called Cerebro to be able to tap into other mutants, um, and be able yeah. to. 
And the next season, you get to see him making a little pre-cerebro situation. Mm, like a prototype. It, yeah. it, it's actually funny because I was directly comparing this to Cerebro before I even knew that this had anything to do with Professor X at all. Oh, really? Already in season two? And you didn't realize, you didn't know that it was X-Men related? No, I didn't know that it was, it involved Professor X directly. Oh, okay. So I was just like, I was like, oh, it's cool. That's almost like his own little personal Cerebro. It's like a, a sensor deprivation chamber, but like in, yeah. it does the opposite and it enhances abilities, right? Well, I was going to say uh, there's more on the sensory deprivation chamber in a second, but, but just a little added tidbit. This is a shout out to um, the two hosts, Greg and Ryan on uh, GameSpot Universe, who did a, a little, a little uh, breakdown or a synopsis, at least of, of uh, that first episode of season two. But um, so I want to give credit where credit's due, but they say, they explain that, uh, what's even cooler about this as well is that the only the, the catalyst for uh, Professor X to even create Cerebro was after his his epic battle with Amal Farouk. Mm. Up until he meets Amal Farouk, he believes all mutants are good. He believes that he can turn any anyone and that that they're, they're, there's good in them and that their powers could be used for good. But Amal Farouk is just a bad egg, and only after beating him does he realize he needs to create something more powerful and that's why he creates cerebro so it's kind of interesting that that they basically do the same thing <laughs> uh with with uh, for, for david but going back to the, the the sensory deprivation chamber have either of you guys partaken i don't i'm, I'm not, i promise i won't go off too, on too far of a tangent with this but have either of you guys experienced the sensory deprivation chamber at all okay no. so i i've taken brenda to do that and um it, it kind of looks just like that except it's supposed to be pitch black yeah right right it's pitch black um you you have the option the one that i the place that i went to you had the option to have lights on or not you had the option to have like kind of ambient music or not i chose zero of all that stuff just black and laying in this this uh salt very high content of, of salinity in the, in the water so, so you're, you're very up, buoyant yeah right but in that in that state eventually what ends up happening is and i thought this i think i think now because i hadn't done this then when i watched this episode but when you're laying there eventually you reach a point where you reach a sort of homeostasis where it really felt like for me my being felt like that entire room it felt like I was filling it because your body reaches the same temperature as the water as well. So all of it feels the same. You're, you're the only, yeah. So basically you're, you're just there mm -hmm. and it's just, you're there with your thoughts That's because cool. uh, we don't stop thinking, you know, so it's, it, it's all there and you're kind of, you can just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting, very relaxed, but, but um, although like you said, sensory deprivation, it seems kind of, um, it seems kind of counterintuitive that that would be the case where you would feel everything's amplified, but it truly felt that way, at least for me. I don't know if it feels that way for others, but, but at any rate, him being in there just totally makes complete sense to me. That's cool. Yeah. It's like plugging him into an amplifier and turning it up to 11. Turn it up to 11, man. <laughs> <laughs> so episode two is Steph. Yeah, actually, I did. I I didn't have I didn't have episode two. I had the next one. Oh, this is me actually, huh? I was looking at season one. Whoops. <laughs> the uh, did we mention that they know that Farouk is in Oliver and that he is seeking out his body so that he can re 
reunite with his body and become pretty much all powerful again yeah i think actually that uh episode two does cover that it, it kind of explains they touch that. on it yeah i think they touched on it in the first episode where they're with the guy the talking to the guy who's head of division three with a basket over his head and they and the um they basically say yeah uh if he if he gets united it would be disastrous or it would he would be unstoppable what's so weird about that too is that when they go to his little like his like chamber or whatever you have the vermilion in the background but they got these like fucking magnifying glasses over their face so you can oh, see right. you can still yeah, see why? in perfect definition their stupid mustaches let's not forget i think i have bad news guys i think you're gonna have to shave your mustaches <laughs> just the mustache <laughs> Yeah, be the opposite That's it. Of the, the rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Like, imagine being the Vermilion for like Halloween. Oh my god! Yeah. If I had that body, I would do it. Dang! Don't you tell Bull me. Full cut, mustache, bodysuit, <laughs> butt crack. Butt crack, everything you need. <laughs> That's right. Nothing more. I wouldn't mind wearing the suit, but I just don't have the courage to wear the bowl cut. <laughs> I'll, I'll wear a thong in a see-through bodysuit, but not yeah, the bowl yeah, cut. Yeah, probably. I got a pretty good butt. Exactly. Yeah, I got a pretty good butt, but uh, you know, I just don't want a the bowl cut. Yeah. The see-through mm. bodysuit, sure. Check. Bowl cut. Eh, I'm out. Soft pass. <laughs> All right, so season two, episode two, which is actually chapter 10, if we're going by uh, their chapters for the show. Not that the chapters right. really mean much of anything. It's kind of arbitrary when you think about it's it. Going order, yeah. um, I wanted to, because this is a just like a, a running theme for season two, shout out to John Hamm as the narrator, because I mean, right. it's John Hamm. What can't he do? You know? Yeah, know, seriously. Right? Seriously. I want to talk about briefly, since since we're pretty well into Farouk being, you know, being his own guy at this point, how smooth that that mofo is. I feel like just everything about him is so smooth. Obviously, he's like the he's the bad guy, right? But is he, though? Those lines are blurred. Exactly. Those lines <laughs> are blurred. The good guy isn't all isn't all good. And the bad guy isn't all bad. And Farouk, he's been around for thousands of years, and that dude is just so smooth. Like his teeth are super smooth, his skin is super smooth, his haircut's super smooth, and his accent is super smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That guy is smooth. Like I just, I could just watch him and listen to him talk all day long. Yeah, he's very suave. That guy, the yeah. character and the actor. Uh huh. Just, just seamlessly transitioning into whatever language suits him to get his point yeah, across whatever yeah. it is and it's just Usually like beautiful french in this case yeah french or uh farce i think it's per- yeah, yeah farce, at, yeah, I'm at, not at sure. the point it's farce but most of the time when he's just being smooth it's just smooth as french mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's just so yeah there he is depicted in that like little wind he, he just he's there in that liminal space they're in like a desert all of a sudden it's in their head and it's in David's head, and all of a sudden, he's just sitting in front of like this fortune teller booth, little cardboard box, yeah, little cardboard thing. cutout, and there he is, just sitting there looking at him through the window, and he's just, yeah, just so charming with the shades, you know, he's with got the shades, shades on, and he's just like, it's a muscle, <laughs> you have to use it, yeah, <laughs> and he's like excited, he's like, yes, 
So we're gonna have to get together for Halloween. You be Farouk, Eric, you can be David, and I'll be a Vermilion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Go shopping for that stash. <laughs> Episode two. Um due to the visit from future Sydney, also revealing that um she was the one that kidnapped David in that flying Pokeball. Yeah. <laughs> he he's starting to almost get like these these uh warnings from the future that like yeah you know this is going to be the end of the world and you need to make sure you help farouk and so he's just like what the fuck but you know he loves it now and so he still loves Trust it you know from yeah. the future and so he why, why would he second guess her so even though she has one less arm in the future you know right. he still loves her less risk of touching people by accident <laughs> that's right there you go he kind of agrees, but he doesn't really tell his team, including present Sid. He's just kind of like holding it to himself. But he's like, all right, you know, I trust her. So I guess which uh, is probably a mistake. Oh, one of the the many that he makes throughout the series, right? Yeah, they're basically uh, trying to help Farouk find his uh, true body in this season. That's kind of like the bulk of this season, right? Is like trying to get to mm-hmm. Farouk's body. Farouk mm-hmm. trying to find his body and Division 3 trying to stop him finding his body, but David trying to... First trying to stop him and then try to help him. Yeah, and then try to stop him again. So yeah, it's it, it, he's a little conflicted throughout this, this season. After David meets with Farouk at that booth in their minds, um, they go out to that lo- the actual location out in the middle of the desert and they find the the booth still there, but um, instead of that like crystal ball thing that was there, there's Sid's music box from like when she was a child, and she doesn't really like that. She's a little uncomfortable seeing that again. This was actually just a uh, a diversion because Oliver, who's still possessed by Lenny slash Farouk slash the Shadow King, <laughs> whatever you want to call him, um, Oliver's still possessed is actually now at the division three headquarters and is just like ripping through everyone because he's trying to get something very specific. This is, I think where female Carrie tries to fight Oliver. Right. And then doesn't male Carrie end up inside of female Carrie, like partially he does something to her. He does something to her where they kind of switch. Right. And right. so, so Carrie ends up inside Carrie the wrong way and his arm is like sticking out from her her torso. Super creepy. It's weird. Uh-huh. And then he gets actually stuck in there for a little while. And I think they eventually end up getting him out, but then they're kind of afraid to go back together. I almost feel like it just doesn't work the same way anymore. I know. And so Carrie starts spending a lot more time outside of Carrie and she starts learning things like how to eat how to use the restroom <laughs> and she hates all that stuff but she likes cream soda because she's just like oh this eating thing is so stupid <laughs> i know and then he's all trying to help her he's all like he's like do do you need help wiping and she's like no i got it <laughs> and throughout season two i don't i don't know if you guys noticed this as well but they changed shapes now so instead of showing a bunch of circles this season has a shit ton of hexagons oh yeah because all of division three their whole thing looks like a fucking beehive. Yeah, and their windows are all hexagons and with like hexagon tint on the hexagon windows. But it's only in Division Three, so I, I don't know. That's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. Even in the like their lab area, they have this light overhead that's a hexagon. But uh, yeah, so he meets with Future Sid looking for more answers, and she reveals that there is this impending doom that's coming, but she doesn't really 
give him much else to go off of because of the fact that she doesn't want to scare him into changing the future, right? The reality of the fact is he's the issue. Yeah. And then David has a mental conference call with uh, Amal Farouk after that. The Shadow King is uh, now in his true mental form, I guess you could say. That's when you see the suave actor and uh, yeah, fantastic acting. What I liked about this episode is this is where they're kind of like flexing on each other with their mental muscle. So it's a cool display of mental warfare where you see them kind of like using different like techniques of fighting each other. So David does that like wrestling match type thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is how you want to fight me is like in this wrestling match. No, let's let's up the ante a little bit. And so he like busts out with like a samurai sword. And then so David fucking like turns into a tank. <laughs> just yeah. to like shoot him as a tank and so i don't know they, they just keep like going back and forth and one-upping each other but this really impressed farouk like i think he's seen how much david has grown in a short amount of time that's true after they are done flexing on each other um david basically just tells him like hey you cannot be going around killing people all right so if i'm gonna help you find your body you need to stop killing people so he's like all right all right i guess i'll i'll stop as much as I don't want to. So they have a gentleman's agreement, right? Totally. Male Carrie finally manages to exit female Carrie's body. It actually looks like female Carrie is starting to age a little bit now because she gets like that strand of white hair or like a, a chunk of white hair. David finally tells Sid about meeting the future self and helping Farouk. So at first she's just like, what the fuck's wrong with you? But, you know, it, it starts to make sense to her as well. You got the next one? I just wanted to mention a couple things as we go through uh, the season in chapter 12. At the very end, Lenny returns. Oh, and you're shit. just like, what the hell? Oh, and no, I got I want to go back episode or at chapter 11. You find out that there is you find out a lot of information, which I think is very important, but I don't want to go through like every little detail. But I just want to go through this real quick is that. There is. Uh, the Migo monks are the ones who buried Farouk's body. And so they're the only ones who know um, where Farouk's body is. Unfortunately, the Migo monks were wiped out by the Miser Sunday. And so there's only one Migo monk left. And that is who Farouk has been pursuing. And then you find out that it's actually the monk that has been spreading the catalyst and not Farouk. And so after the monk dies, everyone who had the catalyst snaps out of it. Hmm. And the way they put it is they have 300 people that want to use the bathroom at one time. <laughs> <laughs> um, they find Lenny and she's in a body and she's back with one huge difference that her eyes are blue. And then Ooh, I think in, yeah, in the next episode, chapter 13. That's the one I have. Okay, so that's when you find out exactly where Lenny got her oh, body, yeah. which is... Yeah, this is the one that she scarred your son with, and I got a lot yeah. to say about this one. Poor Julian. <laughs> All right, so I'm back up. Season 2, Episode 5, Chapter 13, Lucky Number 13. So Amal Farouk uh, with Oliver. So I don't know, they're, they're kind of like side by side now, right? So it's like Farouk just kind of chills outside of Oliver's body, even though he's still controlling him. They're looking for a body, but you you just assume that they're looking for Farouk's body and they find this body in the middle of the desert. But it's not what you would expect, because it looks to be a female body. 
And so they take a little tissue sample and you're like, okay, the fuck was that? And that is with the instrument that they broke into division three to steal. Right. So when they're vaporizing people initially, they broke in to Mm -hmm. steal this like gun looking thing, whatever the fuck Uh that does. And we'll find out soon enough. Like you said, Lenny is now in division three and she's kind of locked in this upside down room thing, which is pretty cool. (laughs) But yeah, she's uh, she's locked in there and, you know, looking a little different with the lighter eyes she's like being interrogated by a few different people, right? Like doesn't Clark go in there at some point and he's kind of asking her questions. Uh Uh, Amy is at an undisclosed location and is actually found by Oliver. He states that he's going to actually take her to David. And uh, I don't know. She's feeling a little uneasy about this though. She's like, I don't know if I, I trust this guy. He, he seems nice, but I don't know something odd about him while that's happening. David visits Lenny and, uh, you know, he's trying to figure out what the fuck's going on, like what the hell happened to her and why is she back when her body was destroyed and placed in that wall? And right. so he's like, there's no way that you could have came back with your original body. So whose body is this? I wouldn't say there's no way in this show, to be honest. <laughs> I liked the way that they were telling this story, because as they were revealing what happened to the audience, David was finding out by going into lenny's mind in this new body what was actually happening was that as he enters her mind he discovers that farouk in oliver's body kills amy and infuses the tissue sample which is which has the dna of lenny's body and uses the gun to kind of fuse that with amy's and turn amy into lenny this was a fucking trippy ass episode just because of that because he, he sacrifices Amy to bring Lenny back. So there's a whole lot of screaming in this episode. Mm-hmm. And this was freaking unsettling with that music. The music was dope for the scene, too. I loved just the whole atmosphere of it. And it's like how it's like flashing. And then Oliver's just standing over the body with the gun, right? Like infusing the DNA together. And then Farouk is like outside of Oliver's body, but he's like standing behind this like little bead curtain thing and looking all like menacing with the shades on and shit and plan on using that for the teaser for this uh, episode. Oh, nice. But um, as the audience finds out, you know, the this whole revelation, David is also finding out. And so he's devastated by the news. And he, you know, he's he's like trying to like escape the room and he's like all crying and Lenny goes to comfort him and everything. But it's kind of creepy because it's like now when he looks into her eyes, he sees Amy, but it's like everything else looks like Lenny. And that's when he vows to stop helping Farouk. And he's like, fuck that fool. I'm going to kill his ass now. You know, he he killed Amy, so I'm coming for him. And that was the end of the episode. We are now at the season finale. So this is season two, episode 11, chapter 19. After Farouk finally reunited with his physical body in the last episode, he and David engage in some sort of like anime-like mental battle. But this time it's a little bit more intense. Very colorful. Yeah, this is a really cool way to showcase... A mental altercation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because this is like the final battle and it's happening at the beginning of the episode. And it doesn't last very long. No, yeah. And it's it's uh, a lot different than their first engagement, right? Where Farouk was just kind of like, he was just kind of like rolling with the punches. So I don't think he was really trying to fight David. He was just letting David like unload that clip, you know? And then he's just kind of like dodging the bullets and just laughing at him like, oh, you know, like we got pretty powerful. 
Um, but this time they're actually just kind of like clashing with each other, but it's a stalemate from what it looks like. And then Farouk actually begins to overpower David until Lenny, armed with a sniper rifle, shoots the choke device, which is, I don't know where the hell they got this thing from, but the way that the choke works, it kind of looks like a, uh, like a little like Y looking thing. It's a tuning fork. Oh, is that what that is? I have no idea what the hell that thing was. That's uh, that's exactly, it's a tuning, it's a giant tuning fork, and that's exactly how you, you use a tuning fork, is you hit it, and it emits a sound, and you're supposed to match your note to that. I wonder if Farouk was unable to destroy it, because he sees it, and he, I think he knows what it does. He just, but he, he just it. Yeah, he just tosses it. But then it ends up lodging itself into the ground so perfectly. But I love how all, all the plans came together, the way David had, like, implanted all the plans into people's memories for them to come out at the right time mm -hmm. and he was doing that so that way if the plan was compromised by one person they wouldn't get the full plan right yeah yeah because like clark gets compromised right exactly and this is i mean obviously david's making a lot of choices um that condemn himself but this is definitely where sid starts veering off i think i don't know i wasn't really feeling this because I was like, she is she really that gullible? She's just looking at just like very out of context moments. And she's just like, oh, man, what the hell happened to David? I was just like, nah, or whatever. I know it, it was. Well, I guess that just I don't know. I guess that just goes to show that how messed up they both are. You know, I mean, obviously, we know that David is very unstable, but she we forget she's also super unstable herself. And they probably weren't exactly a right fit together, at least not in this life and they just veer they both veer off and just kind of both become like horrible people were you guys feeling like when you were first watching season two where you're like what the fuck did they do to their relationship because it felt odd right like it felt uncomfortable they were distant from each other yeah well i mean they were apart for a year and then they were i mean they were still trying to be together or whatever but it was just different right the dynamic yeah, was forced. different yeah Definitely. I feel like him being away for a year, even though she knew that wasn't his fault, like I feel like she sort of subconsciously blamed him, you know, and I think she did ask him. She was like, So why'd you leave? And he was like, You fucking saw me. I got I got abducted. Like what By the you. fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. They definitely have a lot of baggage, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, so the choke is activated, everyone loses their powers, and David just starts wailing on Farouk. David, you know, now anticipating the uh, the effects of the choke, um, I, and I think Amal is still kind of, like, disoriented from the effects of the choke. So David, you know, like, gets on him and uh, just starts, like, beating the shit out of him, taking out all of his frustrations for uh, ruining his life, <laughs> robbing him from, a uh, like, the childhood that he wished he had. Mm -hmm. And um, so they're essentially both humans are, are at this time, right? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, well, this is the point where Future Sid, where Future Sid told David that he killed Farouk, that he bashed his brains in or whatever she said. Um, so he, you know, he's doing the brain bashing and then Sid comes <laughs> in and stops him, which yeah. changes that branch of the future that's wild sure. huh because she she shows up and she's pointing the gun at david and he's like what are you doing and she's like 
I finally see you for who you really are. You've been the villain all along and I'm not going to let you win. And so he's like, what the fuck? You know, like what's going on? Like they, have they gotten to you? And, and then I think she reveals to David at that point that he's the one who ends the world later. You know, she's pretty, pretty set on changing that and actually pulls the trigger. Dang, I didn't think she would do it. I know. But at that same time, uh, Lenny pulls the trigger and shoots her bullet. She, it seems like she's actually aiming for. She was. Yeah, she was aiming. <laughs> she's a bad shot. <laughs> yeah, totally aiming, aiming for Sid, but uh, shot the bullet out of the air instead. Worked out even better kind of knocked both of them back right Mm -hmm. uh david comes to and his powers are back but sid's still knocked out so he alters her memory which she never forgives ever ever yeah because it's like who is he to like erase her memories to change her opinion yeah even if even if her opinion of him isn't accurate or isn't true or whatever he still can't do that to her. Yeah, he just takes it upon will, himself you know? to do it. Uh, While she's unconscious. Exactly. And so then later on, you know, not, not very, not that far in, you know, later on they're they're back at division three and he comes mentally comes to her. Uh, they have a little a chat about running away and this and that right after the trial. And then they have mental sex, which is basically, also rape because she her memory is you know altered and she wouldn't have normally um she 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 doesn't feel like that for him anymore so he's kind of forcing it on her Mm -hmm. and she does mention that later when they have their you know what carrie called an intervention which was supposed to be for trial but turned into david's intervention that she considers it sexual assault oh straight up so it's like how easily could he just like wipe people's minds or just like uh make people fall in love with them and then he's like i can have sex with anyone i want because i can just like make them fall in love with me yeah it's crazy but yeah but then like i mentioned he he goes to what he thinks is fruk's trial and gets locked into this electric cage thing that was cool i like the swerve at the end yeah, that's pretty cool. But where the, I mean, where it basically turns into an intervention and they're all telling him about, oh, like future crimes that he's going to commit and how he's supposed to end the world. Damn, this was wild because they, they had him trapped and it seemed like he wasn't going to be able to get out until he did. Yeah. And that shows you how strong he is because he can straight just brute force his way out of shit. Well, that was thanks to Farouk because Farouk at one point told him, you know, you you make the reality. And basically, David continues to make his own reality after, you know, forever more after that. And so that was that was we you know just one one of many examples of him making his reality. He just he's like, you know what, I'm not in this cage anymore. And then he and then he's not. This is a huge, huge turning point in the story because, you know, like we he had created that one uh personality earlier i don't know when exactly like the others popped up but they're like here they're present now and they're kind of like the devil's on his shoulder now that farouk's out of there he has these like two other personalities that that he kind of like talks to in his mind they're like see like we we told you you know we we try to tell you you got to listen to us and he makes the conscious decision right here and now because he feels so betrayed by everyone that he's just like fuck everyone i'm going into business for myself and that's when he breaks out. 
so after he breaks out, he before fleeing Division Three, he actually teleports to Lenny's cell because she was going to be trialed next, and he he frees her and he's just like he's like let's go, and she was like well what about Blondie, and he's like there ain't no Blondie no Mo, that's right, Dale. no Dale. Mo, and then they and they vanish teleport out together. Oh man, that was a fucking dope season finale. I know, and then I think she does imply like in the next season, yeah, because. Yeah, she does get jealous, like when when Switch comes, and she's like, oh, "Just so you know, you can't do anything with him. He's mine." You know, so a little yeah, possessive. Like yeah, a, yeah, she gets a little possessive. Also, because he's kind of her keys to the kingdom, right? Because she can have whatever she wants, just as long as he gets what he wants. So she's keeping him yeah. around because she can. She's benefiting off of that. That's true. Um, so I, I had a couple of takeaways from season two. I actually felt like season two was a little bit of a step down from season one. A, slight, a little bit. A, a slight step down. I felt like a lot of it was like chasing the body and this and that. And there were some throwaway episodes. I'm like, I don't really fucking care what's yeah. going on here. Um, but man, that season finale was was fucking awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, I did also feel like several characters became pretty significantly less interesting in season two as opposed to season one so melanie is a lot less interesting she doesn't fucking do much of anything Patonomy fucking dies and is like hooked up to the mainframe he actually becomes interesting again in season three but like he doesn't do shit in season two yeah (laughs) that was a cool little swerve though i i will admit because it's like this entire time we think like of course Farouk is going to be the evil one. He's going to be the the doom bringer, right? But then it's like, no, actually, it's David. David is the walking weapon, right? You know, we 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 saw David as the victim. David was the one who was mistreated all his life by Farouk all along, and then all of a sudden the tables turn. And anyway, I don't know. I think there's a that's an interesting analogy there. Just how again everything comes back to like the whole mental health thing and i i just see that as that's interesting like um though other though others um may have caused him to be that way or others as in amal farouk he's still responsible for his behavior now and um and so although we want him to be the hero yeah ironically yeah there there are some things some movies that do that where they do a switcheroo i think i've told you about it i don't, I don't want to mention it here because i don't give any spoilers for that one just yet but uh yeah i think that's um it's hard to do that where you switch the antagonist and the protagonist and i love how in this show they never really make it clear once they get to this point oh yeah yeah it's just this kind exactly. of exactly and tug then of war. yeah and it continues to be unclear through through the whole third season right right um. exactly we want closure <laughs> we want we want something like david be good again and you're like <sighs> well he, i think we get that closure and in, in my opinion uh sort of <laughs> yeah I, it was kind of cool that we just this entire time we thought that david was the reluctant hero and he ended up being the uh anti-villain by the end of uh, season two, mm-hmm. because it's it's not he's not a prototypical villain. You know, he's actually kind of a uh, a likable villain. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Instead of an anti-hero, he's an anti-villain. So I was a little confused on like how they were explaining delusion, and I was just curious, like how how do you guys compare illusion to delusion? Like, what's the the big difference there? 
I think maybe that delusion delusion is damaging. It has a negative connotation associated, but also I think a delusion is typically like you're delusional. Somebody will say, right? No one would say you're illusional. You're delusional, meaning you're doing it to yourself. So that whereas an illusion can be something outside of you, a mirage is an illusion. Oh my gosh, or a sleight of hand and a magician, right? It's outside of you. Whereas a delusion is something that's coming inside you. It's you perceiving something, and however you're putting it together, it's it's not reality. But but is it possible that? like the delusion could cause illusions oh yeah that's yeah probably Especially if you're you know have multiple personalities and or or can an illusion cause a delusion you know what i mean oh probably <laughs> I, yeah that's, that's, that's also a little torn on the the definitions and and how they used them in season two because i'm just like i was like is it i don't know like is this really a delusion all right, so we jumping into season three, the final season. Yes. So Michael and I actually picked all three of the same episodes for season three, one, four, and eight. And Steph, are you just gonna kind of like, no, no, throw throw in some comments as you see fit? Yeah, because I feel like I couldn't just pick specific episodes because something, at least one thing, significant happened in every episode. You know, I mean, it's the last season; they knew it was gonna be the last season, so. They made they they went big. They did not go home. Hmm. You know, since Michael and I both chose episode one, let's get right into it. The season premiere. And man, I just thought this was such a dope episode. And honestly, it may possibly be one of my favorite episodes in the entire series. So in this I, one, I might agree. In this one, we follow a, a young girl named Gia Yi who listens to audio lessons about time travel and begins to see kind of strange references throughout the city that she's in. And uh, there's actually this ad that she she kind of like randomly sees and it's looking for specifically a time traveler. So I think it, it's starting to give you this um, this background on who this girl is because she's listening to these these lessons about time travel and there's these ads that are asking for a time traveler. So you start to get the sense that, okay, Maybe she can manipulate time in some way. Oh, beautiful actress, by the way. Yeah. Yes. And I knew I recognized her. Uh, I had to look her up. But uh, I like how she had to solve that mystery. It was a puzzle that she had to solve. You know, uh, you, you couldn't you couldn't find you couldn't join the club unless you could find the club. And she found the club. If you're worthy. Yeah, you had to be worthy. So you had to be able to, to decipher those clues and and you know, solve these puzzles and stuff. And obviously it actually took a little bit of using her time travel skill to actually solve the puzzle. So maybe you couldn't solve the puzzle without being a time traveler. So right there she was. That's cool. Yeah. Because she kept missing it. So she had to keep rewinding over and over. Yeah. yeah. So she would rewind and she would, you know, slow down the audio or whatever in that, in that, on that radio. And, mm -hmm. and so she, she caught, she was able to find the whole message and figure out where to go. And once she gets there, I, I feel like this is my favorite part. Once she gets there, she's met with this, you know, weird, I don't know, dry, like mobile dry cleaning situation in this white room. Like a clothing store or some shit, <laughs> like a pop-up clothing yeah. store. <laughs> so, but the the fun thing for me was that at the end, she's going, she goes through this tunnel and she's going through this tunnel for who knows how long and going who knows where in this tunnel. I loved the tunnel. I obviously I, I would never want to be in the tunnel because I feel like I would get claustrophobic or something. But it was a cool tunnel. 
it's like a time and space defying tunnel yeah it's really definitely. weird like it she travels great distances in a short span of time through this like weird like vpn through reality uh -huh. or something yeah. right yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah i thought it, uh, i don't know if this is interesting to anybody else probably just me since you know since we have that background but uh you know th that she kept switching between mandarin and japanese Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so that was interesting. I'm assuming that too. her character was half Chinese, half Japanese. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah, because I I noticed her name Jia Yi, and I was like, that's not Japanese. That that sounds Chinese. And then the fact that she was speaking Mandarin and Japanese, so that kind of threw me off. And so, in the spoiler, you find out later that the 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 time travel instructional recording that she's listened to is her dad, and that's all in Mandarin. Uh, uh I well, I forgot. I wanted to know that for eric and i this is the first time we've seen this is the first time you've seen any of the show but for me i actually i saw season one and two you know around the time they came out but i never actually got a chance to see season right, three until right. you know watching it for this podcast so i re i really really enjoyed it i thought it was so interesting so weird so good and seeing i don't know seeing david as the villain was really interesting also and a hippie <laughs> and a hippie yeah. I, I always have kind of trouble figuring a out hippie. figuring out when the show takes place because in the first couple of seasons it seems kind of 60s -y, you know the style is mm, kind of 60s mm, and mm. and all that but then in this season right. you see switch uh with she has these really modern looking headphones on and then also mm -hmm. a cassette tape player and both of those are way after the they're kind 80s. of contradictory yeah in a way <laughs> right right i like how the showrunners did that though I, probably on purpose yeah it kind of makes the the timeline a little ambiguous i guess oh you know i was asking michael about that i think uh, a couple weeks back i was just like so th does this take place yeah. in the 60s or 70s and you were looking that up right michael you're saying like they purposefully did. did that they did yeah they they didn't want it to set t to be like in any particular period per se it was like they just want to fuck with us a little bit <laughs> i guess it's almost like just doing what we like you know they're like oh we're <laughs> gonna do what we like random thought do you think as a time traveler you could keep yourself young forever like you can just let time around you pass but like you can like freeze your body's aging that's a good question that'd be kind of cool have no idea. Hmm. I'm not a time traveler. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Just stay in your prime forever. I know. That'd be that'd be cool. Does time, I guess that, that, that does time have an effect on your body? If you're just, if you're traveling through time still, does time still have does an it effect? Does it still age guess, at, yeah, at a normal weird. rate type of thing? Uh -huh. Yeah, because I mean, they go back in time a few times and it, it does take a toll on her body as we see, as we're going to find out. Yeah. Right, right. So where does this passageway lead? Where does Ye end up? She comes out in, in like a living room kind of situation. At the compound. Yeah. Their little like hippie hideout. Yes. Okay. The house is in an undisclosed location <laughs> in a city. It doesn't, I mean, we don't really know what city, hmm. I guess. But, yeah. um, you know, she ends up inside and everyone's doing drugs so is this like a commune or is it a cult or like it's what is cult. this it is absolutely a cult. yes yeah 110 percent mm -hmm. a cult full the of cult of david full <laughs> of a bunch of people that call david daddy 
This is a fucking Manson family that he created. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> God, it's so weird. But um, you know, they're they're all doing his drug that makes them all happy. And the drug is, is blue, as we've seen throughout all three seasons. Except for when David is angry, mm. then it turns red. Lenny's there leading the whole thing. She's the breakfast queen. Which is is that literal or is that metaphorical? I think it has something to do with, you know, when she used to be, because her, her old friend is there too. You know, remember in the second season when she, she gets Amy's body and then she mm-hmm. goes to her old house and then, you know, parties, parties it up for a day or whatever. She meets up with, right. those are the same people in the cult too. Oh. Salmon. Yeah, Salmon, her, her new wife or whatever. That's also funny too, because some of the clues that help uh, Gia Yi make it there and find that tunnel is that they follow the sign that looks like the pregnant pregnant virgin, virgin or something like that and so that's actually salmon who was impregnated by lenny however that happened is that what happened because yeah. i yeah i don't think they ever explained that do they no they after it well i mean they didn't explain it but after you know after lenny's night of partying and you know she ends up bone. you know in the in the bedroom with salmon at some point, at, you know, right at the end, after after Lenny has her conversation with Amy, you know, her mental her mental conversation or whatever, Salmon comes out of the bathroom and she's like, she's like touching her stomach and she's like, we're having a little prince or whatever. I thought she was just joking. Mm. Yeah, no, huh. she was. I thought she was just being a druggie, <laughs> saying random right? shit. Nah. Uh, no, she was, she was serious. <laughs> so my thing is, it, why introduce this split personality for Lenny by having Amy be in her body well, I guess they're sharing the body, but like they never really revisit that. Hmm. I'm trying to remember if she ever comes out because I I was kind of thinking that that was like a guilt thing. Like I don't think it was another personality. It was just kind of her talking to herself, sort of thing. Or there's a remnant of Amy left in there, which eventually got squashed down. I thought that would have been kind of cool that something similar that like maybe she could she could sympathize with David on is that she's like, now I got split personalities. I got Amy in here and they should have leaned into that. I thought that would have been a cool dynamic. Amy is still here with us and maybe we can channel her type of thing. Yeah, maybe they don't want to take too much away from the the main story because that would have been interesting in and of itself for sure. I don't know. Whoa, because it was heartbreaking. So Lenny, she, her role in this, this tribe, she's kind of like the right hand man to David, right? Like she's, she kind of manages the day to day. Like you have to convince her before you can see the king. She meets, meets up with Switch, right? And so she's kind of showing her around and that's eventually where someone gives her the nickname Switch, G-A-E. Yeah. Eventually she's led to David. I, I have a feeling that Switch is kind of... She's just fascinated by David before she even meets him. She knows anything about him. She, I don't even think she's really heard much about him. She just kind of envisions him as some sort of like higher being type of thing. Hmm. I mean, she went through a lot to find him, all the, the clues and the puzzles and stuff. So I feel like, yeah, after all of that, she's like, I need to meet this guy. Right. I feel like she was kind of expecting Dr. Manhattan in some way, but it's just like, oh, I mean. That's kind of cool. Like you're, you look like a regular human, but you're this like really powerful person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we get to see how David is, which is like a big contrast to how he was in the other two seasons. Just chill, mellow guy now, and he doesn't really fit the mold of a villain. You know, it's it's kind of confusing in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's definitely chill and mellow, like you mentioned. He's really zen. 
it seems like he has his own little kind of house he, he he's in this cave thing that is a dope hideout by the way Super i love that setting mm-hmm. he's in like this cave thing and in the cave he has his own little house and in that little house in the cave which is in the house is are all his personalities or at least the ones that are out at the time i guess and it seems like they're multiplying <laughs> like there are a lot more from season two to three Oh, definitely. Mm. And they argue with each other and I don't know, just generally hang out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you get to see a little bit more of, I wouldn't necessarily say the Legion of the Comics, but closer to it because you, you see more of his personalities and he has a lot of personalities in the comics. Um, but we we do get to see Switch use her time travel powers a couple times because Division three shows up and kills David <laughs> a few times. And so Not just we get anyone. To see, yeah. This was kind of dark humor. He gets his arm cut off by female Carrie, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, did that really just right? happen? And at some point, he just like is vaporizing his old friends. Right. Like, yeah. Vaporize Carrie, vaporize, you know. He never vaporizes Sid, but he, I mean, he's just taking D3 members out left and right. Yeah. But it's like and seeing. Then- this powerful person like David get caught off guard so many times. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting to think about. Cause you're like, how the fuck are they getting the jump on this fool? And we find out later on, they have like devices that block his uh, mental abilities or something like that. They have the little halos that they wear. Undoubtedly designed by Mel Carey. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then you get to see, also you get to see switches powers, how they work. So she so she cool. creates a door in the air and then she goes through the door and she's in a time hallway. And if you go forward, that's the future. But if you go back and there's just a bunch of doors and, mm-hmm. you know, as, as she walks by, the doors have different increments of time. So like going back one hour, two hours, three hours, it's kind of futuristic looking too, like a like a spaceship or something. Yeah, right. it's interesting. It's very sci fi. Right. Um, but then the further back she she looks like she doesn't actually go that far but she kind of looks down the hall and it's kind of dark and you kind of hear creepy giggling Mm -hmm. the slow reveal because you're thinking like what's i wonder what's down there like what the fuck is that Mm -hmm. i think they're so creepy i think they're i think they're up there with the weeping angels of doctor who they're statues and they they look like you know like uh, i guess common weeping angel statues that are covering their faces that you would see in cemeteries right so they're they're they look like angels they're covering their faces with their hands but the reason for that is because as long as anybody is viewing them they don't exist they only exist when they're not being viewed so if you close your eyes and you open them all of a sudden they're like in your face oh hell no so anyhow carrying on switch is uh she keeps trying to go back in time to save david but david just he's not acting fast enough so division three almost get to switch so she's like all right you know i I gotta just go back further and so she when she goes back in time again she actually runs into farouk in the astral plane like he intercepts her signal Mm -hmm. somehow Mm -hmm. and so he's trying to get to know her because he never knew she existed so he's just like oh what's your name is girl (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) he's trying to get to know switch because i think that's what i like about him is that when he sees a powerful mutant he wants to get to know them because it's like if he understands them, then he knows kind of like what he what they're capable of and how to deal with them. Right. So he's he's mm-hmm. almost like doing homework for himself. 
Right. So he's like, all right, let's yeah. see how powerful she is. What can she do? And so obviously she can manipulate time in some way, which he can also do. He was trying to recruit her to division three and she's just like, nah, I'm good. And slips away before he can like really stop Through her. the tea tray. Yeah. Which was clever. And he was like, damn, she's good. She's crafty. And Farouk, of course, is as smooth huh. as ever. Of course. Always. Yeah, of course. Charming. After Switch escapes, Farouk, he uh, hops out of the astral plane and he is now in the new Division Three facility, which is a damn flying fortress. Right. They've moved up in the world. Mm -hmm. They have the funding. Farouk informs the team that David is now working with a time traveler and that she must also be killed in order to reach David because uh, together they're going to be super powerful. So now we know where Farouk stands with her. Yeah. What I also liked about this episode is that Mel Carey, he creates uh, the Android version, right, of Patonomy. So he's he's kind yeah. of putting his technical uh, abilities to work. Mainframe Patonomy. Right, and he becomes, exactly. of course, the new Fukuyama. He's basically a cyborg. Mm. Like, I don't even think there's any of the old Patonomy left. It's just kind of... Just his mainframe brain. I mean, right. whatever yeah. they, they uploaded, whatever of him that was uploaded into the mainframe, plus all of the rest of the mainframe is basically Patonomy now. And the Vermilion kind of report to him now instead of Fukuyama, right? Who, who knows whatever happened to that guy, actually? Are we still kind of uh, strangely attracted to the Vermilion? <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. So confused. <laughs> so, so confused. Division three locate David's compound and are uh, set up, are setting up for the raid. However, David actually relocates the entire compound away from them. So he just leaves it behind a giant crater. Mm -hmm. Back to square one. Back to the drawing yeah. board. Yeah. Who knows where they are now? Just picks up the house and then moves it. That's how powerful he is. And so that was episode one. And uh, what an episode it was. I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great return. Do you have anything before we get into episode four stuff? Did you want to kind of touch on a couple things in between? Yeah, probably. Um, let me get back to my list. So that was episode one. In episode three, we start seeing... Which one are we are jumping to? Four, you said? Michael and I chose one, four, and eight. Okay. I just wanted to mention in episode three, we start seeing a little bit of Charles Xavier and Gabrielle Haller, uh, Dave, David's mom and dad, obviously. And we see a little, you know, we see a little bit of them, how they met and, uh, you know, how it kind of mirrors David's life. And we get to see a little bit of baby David. Because this is the big reveal of who David's father is and so he ends up being the charles xavier yes he is the charles <laughs> xavier now we know for sure if we didn't figure out from googling before that david holler's dad <laughs> is charles xavier yeah mind blown aka professor <laughs> x that's fucking wild right? this is fucking professor x's son yes yeah and on top yeah. of that what's what's also crazy is that this actor that they chose he kind of looks like James McAvoy, <laughs> like that version of Professor X. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. He kind of has like similar mannerisms. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> not enough where it kind of keeps, I feel like it keeps the show a little bit separated from the rest of the MCU, you know? Sure. 
yeah. Not even just a little bit, a lot, right? <laughs> and yeah, we get to see a little bit of him building his first cerebro. No relation to the cerebro that ends up in the movies or the kind of mini cerebro that David uses in season two. That's why it was, it was so cool for me specifically because when I saw the little sensory deprivation pod thing that David was using, I was like, oh, that's kind of like his version of Cerebro. That's kind of cool. And then like, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, exactly. We find out that Charles was also kind of fucking around with trying to amplify his powers by building a, an early prototype of Cerebro. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. You know, we see a kind of a switch between David and Farouk. Now, Farouk is less of a villain. I wouldn't say he's, you know, a good guy per se, but he's definitely less of the villain. And David is the villain, right? You don't fully trust Farouk either. Yeah. Right. Right. I thought it was super duper interesting how you get to see kind of Farouk's point of view of, of him taking over David to Farouk. He loved David and considers David like his son, even though David spent his whole life feeling like Farouk was an invasive parasite, you know, fucking with him. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, that's, we saw it, you know, we saw that with the yellow eyed demon. We saw that with the, the creepy angry boy, you know, all the, the, the scary manifestations, but yeah, I thought it was super interesting to see how he loved David and David was like his son. Also, with that, it's hard to take his actual word for it because you don't know right. if he's just trying to manipulate you. This is a master manipulator. It's true, but I, I believed him on that one. I don't know why, but I did. I think the protagonist also wanted to believe him, but also at the same time, you kind of like keep your guard up a little bit because this guy is he's pretty crafty himself. He's pretty slippery, this guy. Mm-hmm. Chapter 23, episode 4. Are we are we moving on? I thought you just wanted me to mention the few things. Oh, sorry. Episode four was was the one you guys had. Okay. <clears throat> you know, I was already talking about how in season two, I felt like a lot of characters took a backseat. I felt like Lenny was fucking amazing in season one. Kind of lame in season two. But you know what? Ladies and gentlemen, Aubrey Plaza is fucking back. And she is killing it in season three. Hmm. And I just love this new side of her because... She's also kind of coming into her own as well. She's actually almost like becoming more normal than David. Right. Right. Yeah. And definitely. even she's kind of getting to be like, uh, David's a little crazy. How wild is yeah. that? This is an unhinged <laughs> person. And now she's like, you're a little too crazy for me. You need to tone that down. Right. I wonder, though, if if the reason why she's become more human is because uh, she has Amy inside her, mm. the, the whatever whatever remnants of Amy is inside her still, um, how, how that plays a role. If she actually was crazy back at clockworks. What's interesting to me is, is her development over the course of the show. Cause yeah, she was, she's like this crazy, I don't know. She, she was, she showed a lot of range, I think in this entire show, which mm-hmm, so she's, she's wild in the first season and then a lot more um, uh, contemplative and, and sort of just like, she's processing what what what's happened to her while well, she was lost in this world with with uh Farouk and then all of a sudden you know she she gets in Amy's body and then it's just dealing with the ramifications of of this having happened and her own kind of participation in in killing Amy so so I think that this only showcases the second season only only allowed like created like almost like a a canvas for her to then paint this next 
part portion of who she is in, in the show. Her character goes through a, a hell of an arc in and of itself, right? Like she goes through some shit yeah. and it's pretty fucked up. A lot of it was not her fault either. She was just kind of thrust into it. Um, she was almost like guilty by association to David. Exactly. Yeah, she was collateral damage, but she was trying to actually do better for herself. She was trying to actually crawl out of this hole, actually start her life. I think that's how she was kind of describing it. <clears throat> she was saying that she was wasting so much time doing drugs and this and that and just not giving a fuck. But she finally found the meaning to what life is, you know, and it's like she found her own mm. purpose in life. I think that's probably why she was doing all these drugs is because she just she was just drifting through her life without mm -hmm. any sort of direction. And she finally found something she could start focusing all of her attention on. So instead of putting all of her, her effort into getting the next high now, maybe, maybe I want to be a parent, you know, that could be kind of cool. Mm -hmm. That's like her, uh, the next step in her character arc, which happens very quickly. Oh, it does. Oh my gosh. This kind of goes along with the editing that they used in season one, where Patanami was scrubbing through someone's memory and he sees like a little blip and he's like, what the fuck is yeah. that? And so he's like rewinding it. So I love the editing in this episode because Patanami, which is like an Android now, he starts experiencing some data loss to the mainframe. And also I just realized this Patanami is almost like a physical representation of like the normal timeline he in in some way he's connected to the timeline and so when it starts to glitch mm. like he's he's also kind of glitching himself yeah so he's explaining you know in in simple terms to the audience as well as the protagonist like yeah you know there's something fucked up with the timeline hmm. the way that they they show the glitch is that they keep repeating scenes back to back in various situations throughout this episode and they do that on purpose and i just thought that was a great simple editing technique to represent something story related right right and so sid is deducing that david is now working with the time traveler and going back in time fucking with stuff and that's what's resulting in this glitch mm-hmm they actually watch some sort of surveillance footage and that's when these uh, creepy time creatures start like coming through oh god like ring status yeah so they <laughs> at first we see them in that time hallway that switch can jump to mm -hmm. but now they're like seeping into the real world and so it's like farouk actually has to come in and kill it before it reaches the rest of the protagonist. Yeah, they're just kind of watching it and they're like, what oh, the but it's hell? behind the screen. It's not going to, there's there's nothing that can happen. And all of a sudden it comes, it starts uh, ringing through the screen. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Michael and I were actually watching that not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, the scene where she comes through. Back to Lenny. She has to experience an entire lifetime pretty much in a very short amount of time. So the, the demons, they, they end up coming out and kind of, Fucking with Ready everyone. Putting them, yeah, they, they they start messing with everyone. So so it puts David um, back in a in a concentration camp with his mom, and it puts Sid face to face with a younger version of herself, and then Lenny uh, experiences, and it seems like it's real because like Salmon disappears and then she's never seen again, right? Yeah, what the hell happens to her? It's like super speeds up time for her. Like it's not just like putting illusions in front of her or delusions right, in right. her. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just like super speeds up time just for her. And so she experiences the birth of her daughter and the entire life and death of her daughter all in a super short amount of time. And you know, and the, the last thing her daughter says, yeah. So she just wakes up. Yeah. next to a pile of ash. And the last thing her daughter says before she dies is 
uh, thank you for always being there for me. Like she had a choice. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I'm like, she doesn't even remember any of this. Like she just experienced it in little blips, but I guess she was a good mom in between. It was heartbreaking. Mm. It was really yeah. heartbreaking. On top of that, that was the thing, the one thing that was starting to give her purpose in life. And that was immediately taken away. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was kind of what put everything into perspective for her. And that's when she kind of finally disassociates herself from David, I guess. The shit that she's had to go through herself as well. I mean, she was killed. (laughs) So she had to experience that. And then she had to experience like living in this weird state inside uh, David and then inside uh, Farouk and and then in Amy's body and then and then to add insult to injury then to to give her that purpose so it's just it's just heavy. It's kind of weird that she is his rock, <laughs> right? Right. Who the hell would have thought right. she keeps him grounded? Oh yeah, and then I guess this makes this really symbolic that Lenny's like, I'm done. She's like, I'm done with you. I'm done with all of this. And she stabs herself in the neck and dies in front of David. Damn. That tether is literally cut, you know. And so David can just, all hell can break loose. Spiral. So I wanted to just touch on this scene really quick because I just thought it was kind of cool. And it shows how powerful he is too. So David is trapped in this kind of illusion, right, of being in a concentration camp. But then he realizes what's going on, and so he breaks out of it, and so he knocks the two little time demons back, and so he's trying to like confront them, but they keep like resetting time, and that's oh yeah, doing their <laughs> little was, giggle. He's walking up to him, to them over and over, and so you think that there's nothing that he can do until he realizes he's like, motherfucker, I'm a god. Yeah, he, you know, he, that's when he does like the little like Gilgamesh like multiple arm thing. Flips him off with all of them. (laughs) (laughs) He like incinerates one and then he's just like, tell your friends, you know, like, don't fuck with me type of thing. Yeah. At the end. I think one thing we we forgot to mention is that at some point David kidnaps Carrie and he's using him to enhance Switch's powers so that David can also go into the time hallway with Switch, which he couldn't do before. He tried to go into the hallway with Switch. He wasn't able to follow her. There's like a barrier. His goal is to go back in time and fix his relationship with Sid. Damn. Hmm. He still loves her. She may not love him the same, but he still loves her. Carrie actually is able to break out of the whatever trance the time demons are putting everybody in. I'm only bringing this up just because I want to mention that they end up escaping through that tunnel. So they go back through the tunnel. And so once he autonomy reboots it kind of does a a correction on the timeline and so they end up just magically in the aircraft carrier again they're like what the fuck where are we which is which is convenient yeah Hmm. but it's just like it's cool like how tied autonomy is to the timeline as a machine interesting yeah definitely oh yeah and also the fact that since they essentially stole mel carry back he just lost lenny and now he's just like all right well you know I just need uh, Carrie's help so I can find Switch. Both of them are gone. And so uh, hmm. he declares war on Division 3. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of the episode. The last episode that Michael and I have is the series finale. So, Steph, go ahead and fill us in. Um, so we do experience in episode 6, chapter 25, the second life of Sid, which I thought was cute. Um, 
it was it was a definitely kind of fillery, but it was interesting at the same time because it does affect later, uh, you know, Sid's actions. We get a little bit of backstory. Like him and Gabrielle ended up meeting in an asylum. I don't know why in the heck Charles was there, but Gabrielle was in a state, uh, like a catatonic state from her experiences in a concentration camp. She was able to obviously escape and ends up escape. I don't know, be released. I don't know, but she ends up in this asylum and it's Charles that kind of actually breaks her out of the state. And then they end up breaking out of the asylum together and they get a house and have a baby. I like the way that they break out is because he's just like, hey, so uh, just tell me when and you're not going to get us out of here. And she's like, what, what do you mean? And he's just like, I'll show you. <laughs> he tricks everyone to thinking that, you know, it's a celebration. They're like, oh, yeah, they're getting out. And so they actually applaud them on their way out. And I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. They hold the doors open for them and everything. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. But when they're in this house, Gabrielle, you know, she was she had mental issues. You also see Charles making a prototype of Cerebro, and he's looking for somebody like him. He ends up finding Farouk. But he travels to Morocco to meet with Farouk, and during during that time, Gabrielle is experiencing, A, David trying to talk to her back in time, but for some reason, when they come back, he's not quite able to reach her. Uh, Switch's reach isn't quite that strong yet. And she feels like it's like a ghostly presence and is driving her nuts. Another thing that she's experiencing is Farouk's presence once he is dead via Charles's hand, trying to come and take over her baby. And then the third thing she's experiencing in this house are the time demons. So a bunch of things making her feel like she's freaking crazy again. Hmm. When he comes back, he comes back to Gabrielle back in a state, you know, like the catatonic kind of state again. And that is a little bit, I guess, of backstory that we get before everything in the final season or in the final episode. Is Switch finally able to succeed in this episode or was it the next episode? To go all the way back? Probably the penultimate episode because they're already in the past in that episode. The cool thing is, I guess, they're able to... Um, Switch is finally able to bring David back and David actually ends up teaming up with Charles and takes Farouk by surprise by being an extra guest in the house. Um, you find out a couple of things, you know, Farouk is obviously still a villain back then. And so, you know, he's kind of, he kind of has his, his castle and everything. And you find out that he's trapped the king inside a monkey and all his followers inside a child. That is trippy. Which is pretty brutal yeah that's a hell of a punishment exactly and so um that i think that's kind of when charles is like yeah i need to get rid of this guy like he's not like me because the whole point of charles even seeking farouk out was because he's like how exciting is it that i thought i was the only one like this in the world and that there's actually someone out there like me i need to meet this guy i want to see how he is that's so awesome yeah and so he 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 david actually shows up and meets with his father and convinces him that he's there to help. And at the same time, Sid and who is it? Sid and, and the carries. Yes. Yeah. So Carrie's all fucked up now because he absorbed uh female carries injuries. Oh yeah, that's right. So Sid and the carries go back and they, the, the door through time was still there. So they kind of, they all jump through it. And of course they go through 
the moral conundrum of should we kill baby David? Hmm. And Sid's like, he hasn't done anything yet. Is it moral to to punish someone that hasn't done anything yet? But you, but also at the same time, you know for a fact that they will be doing this because you have the evidence in front of you. So it's like that that was kind of like the conundrum that they're running into. Yeah. Which episode are we on? On the last one. We're, oh, we're already on the finale. Yeah. Because this is where Michael and I are going to jump into. Well, we, well, we were kind of jumping around a little bit. <laughs> so Sid and the Carries in the past. Dave is in the past. And Farouk is in the past. Hmm. So now we're on season three, episode eight, chapter 27, the series finale. Oh, I wanted to mention really quick that um, Harry Lloyd, the actor for Charles Xavier, mm-hmm. is mm. fucking Viserys Targaryen, bro. Oh. When I discovered that, I was like, why does he look so familiar? I looked him up and I was like, no fucking way. Just imagine him with a blonde wig. <laughs> uh-huh. That's fucking Viserys Targaryen. From uh, Game of Thrones. Wow. Wow. That was trippy for me to find out. If you don't care about Game of Thrones, then maybe not as much. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we do here. Did we lose Michael? You back? Yeah, I'm back. It's experiencing, yeah, internet, blah, blah, blah. I think uh, David is going back in time again. He doesn't like it. Yeah, he doesn't like us talking about it. If you hear ticking and see some yellow eyes, watch out. (laughs) Now everyone is so far back in time, and this is... This is showing the true power of Switch because David would not have been able to do this without Switch. But the thing is, mm-hmm. it's taking a huge toll on Switch's body because every time she goes back further than what her body can handle, she starts losing her teeth. They just start falling out. And so now yeah. she's like all uh, crippled looking and like all of her teeth are starting to fall out and she's dying. I think like, all, of her, yeah, all of her teeth do fall out. She's like bleeding out of all her orifices. And yeah, she's just kind of laying there dying in the past. It's kind of sad because David doesn't care about her. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got business I need to do. Right. Yeah. So he, she's kind of able to. It's interesting because she's kind of able to leave them in the past. It seems, and she kind of she flips through. Oh, is it the? Is it because the time demons are coming or something? And and so she kind of flips through a, the door. And I know she's like she's in a bed. She's like on the bed dying, like in the house, and the time demons start coming for her. So she flips through the door and ends up in the hallway with the whole bed that she was laying on. I, I didn't think that she mm. could do that. Right. Well, I think, I don't know. I think, yeah, she, her power kind of takes on a whole new level. Um, and there mm. in, in the timeline hallway, she dies. That was a big moment because she's so weak at this point that she's just like, you know, like just take me. And so the time demons are like closing in on her much to her surprise. Her dad shows up in that hallway. So apparently he has powers too. And then she finds out, yeah, well, she finds out that um, she's some sort of, I don't think it was like a whole different like race of people, is it? But um, she's, she's able to, I don't know, shed her earthly skin and become like this time God kind of situation. I don't even think she could be considered a mutant. I think she might just be a, an entirely different being altogether like the phoenix yeah so her dad kind of shows her you know the that there is a lot less limitation to her powers at this point and she's able to call off all the time demons because apparently they're like dogs and she has a whistle for them and everything that is trippy Um, (laughs) she kind of she kind of helps sit out sid and female carrier trying to protect the mom and baby david yeah yeah 
And so they're all like fighting and Charles is able to give some fatherly advice to David. And he, you know, he tells him, let me be your father. I don't get a chance to be your father. I don't know why I gave you up, but I don't, I never got a chance to be your father. So let me take that chance. Let me be your father. Their mission was that David was teaming up with Charles to kill the past Farouk before he could turn into this like all-powerful being, right, that he has trouble dealing with. Yeah. Present-day Farouk gets to past Farouk beforehand and lets him know, warns him, right? And so um, I think David tries to jump the gun and just go after past Farouk, but he's also not able to kill him either. They're kind of like going back yeah, and forth mentally. Yeah. And then that's where Charles pulls him out of it and is just like, stop, we're not doing this. While uh, David was struggling with past Farouk, present Farouk lays it all out on the line for uh, Charles. And he's just mm -hmm. like, listen, this is what the situation is. You actually understand what it is I'm trying to do. And you'll see what David's trying to do. And so now Charles is also on Farouk's side and is against David in this mission. That was the whole situation where Charles does that heart to heart with David and is just like, Farouk wasn't the one that fucked up your life. I was the one that fucked up your life. I brought Farouk to you inadvertently, you know? I was being naive and I was being an idiot. I should have just stayed home. I don't even know what I was thinking coming here. And, you know, like I could have been there for you. I could have been there for your mom and we could have been a happy family. And I just need you to understand that I never stopped loving you. Mm-hmm. You may not believe me, but that's the truth. And that's kind of what David has been wanting this entire time. He's been trying to convince himself that he is worthy of love. Yeah, exactly. Charles confirmed it that he's like, yeah, I do love you. You know, you're my son and I'm so sorry for doing this to you. Yeah. And at the same time, present Farouk goes to past Farouk and, you know, past Farouk is kind of arrogant and power hungry and stuff. Right. And so he, right. he shows past Farouk everything that's going to happen because of his actions mm -hmm. and afterwards you know he's crying and he's like thank you so in in a sense like he kind of gets fathered by by present fruit right <laughs> the same way like let me let me show you let me teach you a lesson kind of thing he basically gives him an ego death during this process right right because he's all ego <laughs> yeah seriously. he gives him yeah it's this reality check and brings him back down to, mm -hmm. to earth and then, yeah, and at the same time, Switch goes through her situation where, you know, she dies uh, in the timeline and her, her dad shows up and it's like, yay, you can finally join me <laughs> instead of just being on, mm. instead of them having like computer dinners together. <laughs> Which was weird because those dinners would be brief and he would just be like, hey, so how's your day? Are you studying? All right, cool. Anyway, I'm done. And then like they just roll the right? TV away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dick. Apparently he didn't eat, you know, he would be like, oh, pass me the potatoes. And she would like pass the potatoes and all of a sudden like potatoes would appear in his screen. So he just had like some potatoes <laughs> off to the side that he just passed to himself. Oh my God. They simulate <laughs> their dinner. Yeah. Uh -huh. So yeah. So everyone's able to, Charles is, is indeed able to change David's mind and Farouk changes Farouk's mind. And they just squash their beef. Right yeah. Then David and, there. and past Farouk are able to squash their beef. So the agreement that they have is that Farouk now that he was able to give his past self that ego death and do it in an early stage so that way he won't um, do these heinous acts later on, right? Now, all Farouk wants to do is just kind of like live in peace and be able to enjoy life on his own terms. And then David will get to enjoy his life with his parents. Mm -hmm. See, here's the thing that's fucked up about it is that since they make this agreement, they change their timeline. And that means that present day... Farouk, present day, 
David, present day Sid, they're all going to be non-existent yeah. because that would have never happened. Uh, it's kind of poetic because, you know, they, they understand that they're going to cease to exist. So David and Sid actually come back together one last time, standing over renewed Farouk-less baby David. Hmm. Untainted. Mm-hmm. Untainted. And they fade away together. I, I do have a few things to say about this. I did think it was bittersweet to see them together again yeah. because this is like Definitely. the normal David, not this like crazed David anymore, you know, and he's he's hopeful now. And you can always tell that he never stopped loving Sid. You know, he was still trying mm-hmm. to correct things even when he was in his villainous state. But the thing is like the acts that he also did, those couldn't be forgotten. There's no going back. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were like, she she couldn't forget that. That actually did happen. You know, even if they didn't fade away, they were never going to be together. But they were able to kind of find some sort of closure for each other, I guess, before they faded away. Yeah. Even though it didn't really matter because it wasn't going to exist anyway. What were you going to say, Michael? I was going to say, in some way, it, it's like they um, they di- they lived the full equivalent of what uh, Lenny's daughter did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like watching the whole show play out, they all needed to have been they all needed to have been born at the time they were born, and all these things needed to play out the way they did in order for things to be fixed in the past. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then just it's let's start over again. It's just sad because it's like you you wanted them to at least kind of mend the relationship, but there's that irreparable damage. Right. Bitterness. They could never be what they were before. They were happy for each other in some respect, right? Because he was like, you know, I'm, aren't you kind of surprised that I'm here? And she's just like, no, you know, and he's like, well, I'm surprised that you ended up helping me. And she's like, no, I didn't help you. I helped him, you know, little baby David, which is going to be a totally different person from you. Yeah. Um, The fact that they were talking about how David is going to grow up in a nice loving home and he and Sid will never meet in the future. And like Sid is going to go on to do great things without David. And I was just like, ah, like twisting that knife. Yeah. I guess it's, it's one of those situations like it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. Painful though. It may be. Yeah. The new timeline takes effect. And then next thing you know, present day Sid and David are no longer there. They're long gone, forgotten in time. They fade mm-hmm. away. Hopefully, little baby David will go on to uh, not become evil in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how the show ends. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> it's hopeful, and I mm. like that. Right. I mean, we don't, you know, we don't end up with, you know, the guy getting the girl or anything like that. But it is a right. hopeful ending, which could be kind of cliche if you think about it. Yeah. So now that you had seen season three for the first time, Steph, how does that compare to the other two seasons? I really enjoyed it. Uh, I definitely want to watch it again and see, you know, catch the things that I might have missed the first time around or even the second time around. I kind of want to watch the whole series again. You know, it's only 27 episodes. (laughs) I was just thinking, like, I guess what makes it hopeful as well is that who better to handle the growing psychic abilities of a young boy than Charles? That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Having yeah. his parent, not only is he going to grow up with a loving in a loving household, 
with his parents, but they'll understand, or at least his father will understand what he's going through and how to help him manage all that. Because you can imagine that no one was there for Charles. He had to kind of figure this out on his own and he probably went through some shit as well. So hopefully he can fix the generational trauma, especially right. now. I think he's going to put in a little extra effort because he knows that if he doesn't, David could potentially end the world. So he's like, uh, I, I need to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. That is a wrap on Legion. If you made it to the end of our podcast, then your life was just reset to do it all over again. Yeah. Pow. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Any final thoughts or closing comments? I'm glad I was able to see the third season finally, because I hadn't I had been putting it off for a while uh, in favor of other shows that were higher on the priority list. Um, but fine, mm -hmm. you know, finally got to finish it. It was still really good. I really enjoyed it. And 10 out of 10 would do again. Michael, did Easton end up uh, finishing the show? No, not I, yet, no. Yeah, I know that you are telling me that she loved season one, but she was kind of iffy about season two. And that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. So for yeah. me, yeah. I thought season one was great. Season two, it was fine. You know, a, a little bit below mm -hmm. season one. But man, I loved season three. I thought season three was the best one. I, d I loved all three I seasons, agree. but I think that the second season was the weakest. I don't think enough can be said about how amazing and original and unpredictable the visual effects were in the series. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> it was quite the ride, for sure. It was so cool. Just like all the effects and editing and all that stuff combined together mm -hmm. to achieve the, the narrative goal. Awesome. And they kind of represent that with the box art for each season because they're all kind of psychedelic. And the show is it's a fucking yeah. acid trip, man, sometimes. It, yeah, exactly. With a heart of gold. And, you know, even the music, it, you know, it's odd and sometimes unsettling, oh, but it's, it, it's kind of like electronic sounding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially at, at the end of the uh, when credits roll, the music that's playing then is always so interesting. I remember trying when it was coming out after each episode, I would try to like download the the music for mm. it. And I was like, oh, I can't find it anywhere. It's like it sounded it was a nice little like am, um like ambient song or whatever. And I couldn't find it. So I don't I don't know if by now that's it's out like your Shazam wasn't picking it up. Yeah, at the time it wouldn't. So that was frustrating because I was like, I just want to hear that again. Just remind me of this episode. And uh, yeah, so good. I, I think it was um, probably the one of the most touching scenes for me was when Farouk shows other shows younger Farouk what present day Farouk shows past Farouk um, everything that that's going to happen, everything that he does to mm -hmm. David and the things he says to him, they're not cruel. But he he definitely um, points these things out as him being angry. Like why why so much anger? You know, just wow. Was I so was was I why that was way? I so you know, what I mean, just yeah, petty. Exactly, holding on to this grudge. So, but he had to go through it. He had. See, everybody needed each other. No, and, and I guess what I'm getting at is everybody need to have needed to have gone through what they went through so that they could have a better past and therefore better future. Uh, and and Sid's attitude toward David was just so like it was just so distasteful it was a really like a stiff arm and as mm -hmm. somebody who you know as we watch the show um develop and everything you want this love story to work out guy gets the girl but um but then just to have that last little like snub those mm -hmm. last few snubs of, of hers 
she seems she's trying to it's as though she's trying to act ambivalent but there's just this this anger inside oh i didn't help you i helped him it's just like okay (laughs) okay like she was cementing the fact that like there there's no going back there can never be an us not in that reality it's done it's buried it's in the ground damn not even can brute can find it (laughs) i wanted to ask you guys what the hell was the point of clark's character damn i'm not sure david (laughs) i i just felt like there was no point in that character honestly he was supposed to get stabbed in the face with a pen and burned very very badly and then dropped (laughs) in space (laughs) and then dropped in space after his husband's memory was taken away altogether i think i don't know there's just another character that got out a second chance yeah he missed most of season one right because he got burned and then they brought him back for season two to not do a damn thing and then right in season three he does a tiny bit more but is then killed by david so right i don't know i was just thinking like and then they go through this whole backstory of like he has a partner and he they have a child and everything and it's just like yeah is is clark really that interesting i don't know if we needed to see his backstory they try to make him seem more interesting than what he actually was. Um, nothing against the actor. I think the actor was fine, but it's just the character in general. I think he was. Here's what I would have changed. When Oliver was taken over at the end of season one, I would have actually had him somehow switch to Clark's body because I'm like, we don't, we can at least make Clark a little bit more interesting, give him some purpose. And then Oliver was already interesting on his own. And I would, I wished we could have had more time outside of the Ice Cube to see how Oliver would have been around the other protagonists. I think that could have been a cool dynamic. He could have been another sort of tech savvy person alongside Mel Carey. And maybe they could have even had almost like a little like tech rivalry thing going on. I think that could have been kind of funny. I think I actually agree with that one. It would have been nice to see more because they had a a pretty cool dynamic at the end of season one, Mel Carey and and Oliver. And yeah, it would have been fun to see more of that. And then maybe to see him kind of getting his memory back and, and uh, coming back to Melanie, you know, that would have been yeah. nice. Aubrey Plaza. How awesome was she on the show? She was, she was, I, I'm, I'm certain that, that uh, this the range that she showed is why she's been in so many other shows. I haven't seen uh, the white Lotus mm-hmm. yet, but I I've it's, it's been winning all sorts of awards. Ooh, and everything, is, she, so. is she in that? I'm going to check. Yeah. It's like some sort of like, who done it as far as i know okay it's kind of a strange show my introduction to her was parks and rec right and she's just like yeah i mean her character is fun but like it's not very uh versatile you know she's always just kind of like blah mm-hmm. about everything Moody. yeah yeah exactly and she's a, mm-hmm. pretty much Moody. the same character in scott pilgrim so i think she was typecast for a little while there Sort of, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I was really pleasantly surprised with her in this. I was not expecting her to be one of the, the strong actors on the show. And um, man, she was she was fucking awesome. I loved her in season one, especially because her having so much screen time, it really got to show her just about the entirety of the show. It got to show her in a bunch of different uh, scenarios and she killed it every single time. Not only did she do a great job, but her character was what just added so much to the show. And I think Dan Stevens did a good job too. Was it worth getting killed off of Downton Abbey? I hope so, but you guys don't I think, think so? he did a great job. I do. It was painful. It's it's painful uh, that that death is, is it catches you. I know, but I do. I, I obviously I loved him in Legion, and so I'm glad he did it. I think he did a great job. Yeah, same. 
You know what? Also, a huge fucking shout out to Navid Negabon for his portrayal of the Shadow King, Amal Farouk. Oh, yes. Absolutely untouchable on this show. His acting was superb from start to finish. Yeah, he was Mm -hmm. just so smooth, as I said before. Smooth as silk, that guy with his perfect teeth. (laughs) And his perfect voice. Yeah. His perfect vocabulary. <laughs> exactly. His mannerisms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Steph, you still there? Stella! No, her timeline ended. I'll remember her as she was. <laughs> <laughs> um, Were you watching anything lately? Fillmore TV? Um, you know... I haven't really been watching anything lately. That's funny. Just Legion. Yeah, just that's the only t- show I've really made time for that and um, uh, One Piece. Occasionally, mm. I'll pick up an episode of of One Piece, which you're not typically an anime guy, right? No, not really. And I don't really like. It's not that I'm necessarily not a fan or that I don't appreciate it. It's more just that I don't really go out of my way for it. Like it just if somebody recommends something, I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. What about you? What are you watching? Let me explain for the audience. Stuff got booted and had trouble coming back in, so we just got to wrap up the episode without her. Mm-hmm. So here we are. <laughs> so I saw Saltburn, and you've heard of this one, right? Strange kind of thriller. What? I didn't know it was a thriller. Yeah, there's there's some crazy, uncomfortable shit going on with uh, Saltburn, and uh, mm. some great acting, though. Man, highly recommended. And mm. that is a uh, Amazon prime original my dad was like when i when he, he asked me if i'd seen it i was like no no and, and i said what about what about you what do you think about it and he goes it's different that's all i said <laughs> it's different he didn't give you the holy shit holy shit <laughs> that was only the exorcist <laughs> that's right <laughs> where he slouched in the seat and was like holy shit <laughs> He was like sitting lower than me in his chair. I was like, <laughs> me too, dad. I concur. The other thing I watched recently, Poor Things. And I already told you about that. I got to watch that. Poor Things. That one is, uh, it's trippy. It It is trippy. Obviously, I'm not going to spoil anything. But man, if you like Emma Stone, she fucking kills it. Great actress. Right. I mean, honestly, I, don't, I just don't think she can miss. She just, she always knocks it out the park. I've enjoyed every one of her performances. And just a reminder, Afflictionados is available wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific. If you like what you heard, please consider giving us a like, a thumbs up, and don't forget to subscribe. As always, thank you for listening and joining Stephanie and Michael and I, even though Stephanie got booted. This has been Afflictionados Podcast, episode 36, Legion. And we will see you all in the astral plane. Bye. (laughs) Bye.